Hoopsville is on the air. The first weekend of the tournament is over. I don't know if we've got any more answers than we started with. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Welcome into Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday night, March 4th, and. 18. If you got questions for us, and there could be plenty, or maybe none at all, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Uh, you can also join us, uh, well, you know the ways, all screen streaming at the bottom of your screen. Of course, we're simulcasting on Facebook Live. Those who are watching there can interact with us there. If you're watching us on the YouTube page, uh, there isn't anything on our show page, but if you happen to be on the YouTube side of that thing, uh, you can um, chime in there. If you figure it out how to do that there, and we, we welcome it. Just understand it's only one of us, and sometimes getting around to all the questions is a little bit difficult. I actually just finished answering a question from five days ago. Sorry about that. I know a lot of people also emailed us. I have been slammed. I have not been able to email in the last week a lot of responses. I want to get to some. Some of them even asked about donating to the show. I want to thank you for that. I will get back to you on how you can do that. We did not have a fundraiser this year, but doesn't mean we still don't appreciate it. those of you who may want to help us out, and we will get to you as soon as we can about that stuff. Um, <laughs> where do we start? It was an absolutely wackadackle season. Uh, I made that all up, if you're just curious, uh, with, the NCAA, with the NCAA tournament. We expected on the men's side parity. We spoke from the beginning. Expect upsets. I don't think I expected all of the upsets I saw. Um, I certainly expected to see some crazy outcomes. I think I was a little surprised Friday didn't have more, to be blunt. But on the flip side of that, the ones that were, were pretty unique. Unique enough that on the front page of d3hoops.com, if you have not noticed, we have our first, our biggest um, first-round upsets of the past decade. It's a pretty solid list, if you're wondering. Um, you go through it. it. It was a good debate uh, behind the scenes as well. So lots to talk about here tonight. Listen, I will say this. There are 32 teams still playing basketball. We can't talk to them all. We do our best on tonight's show and even Thursday's show to talk to as many as we can, hedging our bets a little bit as to who we think may move on. Now, please do not read into that, that who we have on the show we think will not move on. That's not how it works. We just know that we maybe will not necessarily fit them in at a future date when we're talking to others. Um, the other reason is sometimes the news is just worthy of it. Had lots of options, toyed around with a bunch of ideas, and finally we stuck with what we went with. So we have six guests tonight. We will most likely have uh, four to six guests on Thursday as well. One guest I didn't get onto the show tonight, but I might try and turn something around tomorrow. The NABC will open up its all-star voting at d3hoops.com, I believe, tomorrow, Monday. I'm sure the guys can correct me. I double-checked that with others, and I was pretty sure I was accurate on it. We wanted to talk about it on the show. I, I wasn't able to arrange it. I'm going to see if I can do something ahead of that so people understand that voting to some degree and why it's so important. I think the voting's up for a couple of days, and then it closes. That's basically the last two people who are in, though we won't know the full All-Stars until next week. Some of them are still playing basketball obviously. So that is one we won't get in tonight, but I hope I can maybe turn a little podcast around or something about it in the next 24 to 36 hours. Um, so where do you want to start? I say we start with one of the bigger upsets that we have seen in, in recent memory. Um, I'm not sure 
Well, listen, I made a comment on the on the NCA.com broadcast that uh, obviously was noticed by um, the boys, as it were. It was noticed by the guys uh, at Aurora for the comment. So be it. I, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I will stick by my comments. I made a comment that it someone had to go play Wash U, and I had a lot of confidence that Wash U, despite the loss to Chicago, was one of the top teams in the country and probably – one of those you could you could at least say was a favorite to make Salem, though this year so wide open, there's a lot of teams you could say that for. Aurora pulled off a tremendous upset. Congratulations to them. But if you didn't see it, buckle your seatbelt. The end of this is pretty darn fun to watch. Of course, overtime or else the season could be over. Cusera to inbound. Looks right. Nup, Nestor for the tie, it's on the way, good! With left, a prayer was answered, Nestor buries a three, 1.6 seconds left, Myers gets the catch, he'll shoot a three for the win, it's good! I think it's good! It Watch this shot again, the ball is halfway to the rim by the time the lights light up. And just like that, Wash U's season is over. Congratulations, Aurora. That is an outstanding win, to say the least. I'm very impressed. Um, unfortunately, lost the next night. It happens. We've seen that on many occasions. Where does that rank in our top 10 of games? You're going to have to go to d3hoops.com. Not now. Not now. Don't. If you're watching this show live, you are not going there now. Well, unless you can figure out how to stay with us and still go to the front page to find out where we think that ranked in the top 10 in the last 10. Okay, good. You're staying with the show. I appreciate that. Um, so lots to talk about here on the show, and we hope you'll enjoy it. That Aurora game was significant, to say the least. Um, I really did think Wash U, with that senior-laden class, was going to be able to make a run. Now the question is, how does Wash U reload? What does Mark Edwards do to get this program back to it next year? They lose so many seniors next year or through in the offseason. It's going to be interesting to see what the Bears do. Jay Cozen's watching the show. Jay, you always seem to watch every hour. Going on 53 hours with zero power in the Philadelphia suburbs. Man, I am sorry, Jay. I'm hoping it'll be good by Tuesday or Wednesday in time for the next Nor'easter. You're right. Another one expected on Wednesday. He says, I know that I won't get much attention given the numbers and magnitude of actual upsets this weekend, but I do want to give out to the shout-out to the Lancaster Bible, who are last-second three-point shot from taking CNU at CNU into overtime. This was not the 27-0 LBC team from two years ago. Great effort by Coach Fritzen and the players in defeat. I agree with you. Uh, by the way, Brian, you didn't lose sound. It was just really, really low. And then when I went to the replay, there was no sound. So you didn't really lose sound. I couldn't boost it any higher. I apologize. Um, Jay, I agree. I was watching that LBC game rather intently. I was fascinated by it. Um, I thought there was a chance. I think it, it goes to prove that we have to stop underselling the top of the NEAC. Listen, the rest of the NAC has been proven to not be that great. Uh, I'm being blunt. I'm going to be honest. I had a coach last night text me back and say, thank you. At least you're the one who, who who's honest about things. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be mean, and I'm not going to be um, over the top or grandiose. But the NEAC is not one of the better conferences in Division Three. We all know that. It's in the bottom group. The, the middle to bottom is not that competitive. But we have seen year in and year out that an NEAC team, a NEAC team, can compete with a lot of the division especially on, in the national tournament. We've seen Morrisville State get to the, to the second weekend two years in a row uh, a few years back. We saw Lebanon Valley 
uh, or Lebanon uh, <laughs> Lancaster Baptist, sorry, LBC versus LVC in the same area. LBC get to the second game when they made it that undefeated year and take Worcester right to the wire. They could have been a Sweet 16 team. Absolutely no question about it that the top of the NEAC tends to at least prove themselves, at least on the men's side, sometimes on the women's. So I'm not overly surprised they took CNU. I'm not overly surprised CNU lost the second game either. But hats off to them, to say the least. You, 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 you raise a good point absolutely there in that one. Lots of other upsets certainly took place. Uh, Sean Kavanaugh saw, why, yes, I was having heart attacks during the Greenville-Augie game. There was another one. I think I hinted at it both on the NCAA Bracket Show and on, on later Hoopsville shows. Augustana can't look over Greenville. Greenville was going to give them a game. It was not going to be easy. The score says that Augustana won 123-111. to 111. Yeah, but, right? Okay? That score is not indicative of just how good that game was, how much Greenville led in that game. And it's funny because one of the guys, I think it was Ryan, could have been Gordon behind the scenes as we're chatting during game, says this is one of those games where Augustana is going to win by 20 and people aren't going to realize how how close they came to losing it. And he's right. Greenville is a well-coached team by Coach Barber. By the way, hats off to Coach Barber. We'll see him in Salem. We will get him on the pregame show and we'll talk to him about his political agenda. Yes, he's running for office. We'll talk more about that in the future. But they are a good team who runs a system in its second year at that school under Coach Barber extremely well. They do good things with it, and I like how they've utilized it. And they have, they do present matchup problems. Not surprised Augustana almost took them out. Not surprised in the least. Uh, Dave Smith says, how about the three WIAC teams still alive in the Sweet 16? Yep, pretty impressed. I'm more impressed with Oshkosh, I think, than all of them. I pretty much expected Platteville to get to the second weekend. I like that they're set up. I thought Stevens Point at least had an interesting scenario where they could get to the second weekend, so I'm not blown away that they got there. Um, Stevens Point had, where was it? There it is. They had uh, North Central in the first one. I'm a little surprised maybe that North Central flat out didn't show up. 55 points, pretty, pretty startling to me. Um, and then when Bethany Lutheran got past St. John's, I figured Stevens Point had a pretty good shot. St. John's was my favorite to come out of that weekend, certainly. I really liked the Johnnies. They just didn't show up on Friday night. Bethany Lutheran, another team that I warned you about, I said on the NCAA tournament uh, bracket show, and I said another ones, you don't sleep on the UMAC either. Northwestern has shown that they can beat top teams. And Bethany Lutheran beating Northwestern kind of told me in the back of my mind, watch out for, for, for the Vikings. Jeff Rogers' team is well-coached, and they beat St. John's by 10 in a high-scoring affair. Not surprised they ran out of gas against Stevens Point. Stevens Point can make people do a lot of crazy things. I got an email earlier in the weekend, earlier today, talking about how I've been confused by the WIAC, and I don't think that's a completely fair statement about what I've said about the WIAC. Um, you know, saying that uh, I've listened to your Listen to you wrestling with trying to figure out the WIAC all season. I'm not surprised by their success in tourney. Stevens Point lost their best player to injury early. Yes, we knew that, Bublitz. Uh, so they had some early non-conference struggles. They were great on D as usual, but they're also very efficient on offense. Oshkosh and Platteville are both well-coached veteran teams. WIAC is a very deep conference, and they beat each other up all season. And that's what we've talked about. And, that, and Listen, I gave the WIAC the benefit of the doubt of being a conference that beats themselves up, but I saw – 
Stevens point in the middle of that slide in the middle of the season. I saw them play at Vegas and have two losses. And on air, I said, listen, they're a very good defensive team, but they're not blowing me away. They don't have a lot of offensive weapons. They may be efficient on offense, but they're susceptible. I'm very impressed with what Stevens Point has done this season. I'm very impressed that they've gotten to the second weekend of the tournament. I'm not shocked. I said near the end of the season, I thought Stevens Point was starting to remind me of that 2015, I think it was, national championship team that didn't blow anybody away. Now, that team had better offensive weapons. That team at least had a little bit more, um, I don't know, something to them that, that made them a threat. This year's team is interesting. They've got a tough matchup now with Whitman. I'm going to be watching that game with 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 Hawkeyes out there at Platteville. The other side of that got a fascinating game between Nebraska Wesley and Platteville. Um, but I am more impressed with Oshkosh. Oshkosh got past a tough Marietta team. Not overly surprised that they won that. I thought Marietta was struggling a little bit at the end of the season. It seems Marietta peaks a little too early um, in most seasons. Uh, Oshkosh got past them, 74-67. It's the win over Wittenberg I was very impressed with. Wittenberg had smoked Misericordia by 30 the previous night. They beat him by 8. I thought Wittenberg was one of the better teams in the country. Bob Quillman had made that comment on our selection show. I really did feel Wittenberg, despite two losses late in the season, had figured things out and were tough. Oshkosh beating them tells me a lot. Oshkosh is a really good team. I'm very impressed. Here's our problem with Thursday. I don't want to talk to two YX schools. We're going to have to pick one. Um, but hats off. Absolutely tremendous by Oshkosh. Really impressed. Um, nothing to take away from the YAC. I've said that the YAC is good. My problem with the YAC was I was waiting for someone to rise above it. Blattville eventually did that on the men's side. Whitewater on the women's side eventually did that too. That said, Whitewater lost in the second round of the tournament. We'll be talking to the team that knocked them out. Nothing against anybody else in the Wyack. I just felt now we're taking too many losses. At some point, you need to, to separate yourselves. And I know they go out there and they really schedule hard in the out-of-conference schedule. And I applaud them for that. I think at some points, maybe they go too hard. I think they can still get into the tournament with maybe one less difficult team to at least give yourself maybe a better W. But now we're getting into semantics, splitting hairs, and all of that stuff. But that said, really impressed with the Wyack. Not surprised three teams are out. Maybe surprised in the fact that Oshkosh got past Wittenberg. That's where I am surprised. But the fact they beat him, I'm not surprised they joined Platteville, who got out, and Stevens Point because St. John's had lost. If St. John's won and it's against Stevens Point, that one would have been a little more interesting to me. I think Stevens Point would have had some trouble against St. John's, especially their size inside. Uh, Peyton Gallagher has a question. He says, just a thought. Oh, for your interview. Uh, glad you're having your friend Jason Zimmerman on the show in Emory tonight. You're right. Uh, we'll talk about your question. I know it's coming up. I know you're diving deep with Davidson, uh, Peyton. I've gotten this question from you before. Not sure how much Jason's going to dive in there with you, but man, we'll see if we get to it. Speaking of guests, let's talk about who we have coming on. Chuck McBreen from Ramapo will join us. Roadrunners into the second weekend in the NCAA tournament. If I'm correct, I believe that's the first time since 2005. And that year, they lost in the Sweet 16. You remember, York came out of that weekend and went on to the Final Four for the first time in program history. York, unfortunately, losing in the second round to a really good Hamilton squad. York also played Yeshiva. I will have thoughts on Yeshiva later in the show, by the way. We'll wrap up our programming with some thoughts in the tournament, including Yeshiva and those patting themselves on the back for making sure a player didn't play in that game. I'll have thoughts on that later. But... Uh, Ramapo coming on. Chuck McBreen will talk to him. They're also hosting, which is also similar to 2005. Um, we'll talk to Chuck and his first year on the committee, get his thoughts on things. Larry Anderson from MIT will join us. I saw him at Hopkins. Friday, I did the double dip. 
Went up to York, saw them play the York Yeshiva game. I saw half of the Nazareth Hamilton game. Then I headed south, had to deal with some darn Baltimore traffic outside of the fact you're having to drive in 80 mile an hour winds. Uh, to all you in the Northeast, just Northeast of where I live, Philadelphia, who got surprised seven inches of snow on Friday and everywhere else, I am I applaud that you got through the Nor'easter. Sadly, there's another one coming, but we had to deal with some cr- insane winds down here, closed schools. I drove down through that, got to Hopkins, got to see two games there, the Brockport game, uh, just to lead off against MIT, to be honest, wasn't blown away by Brockport. Maybe they just weren't playing a great game. Love their senior. Absolutely tremendous talent. Really hope we see him in Salem at the All-Star game. But really impressed with what MIT was doing without Jamard. Could not make Saturday's game, and they beat what I thought was a very good, though a little bit lacking, Hopkins team. That Hopkins team is is good, but there was something lacking in their first-round game that I just couldn't put my finger on. I'm not sure what it was. They played ugly. It wasn't tremendous. MIT took advantage of it. We'll talk to Larry Anderson about what might be changing at MIT coming up next week. Jason Zimmerman for Emory will join us, and we'll switch to the women. Bill Broderick will join us from CNU. Christopher Newport got past the Kelly Williams-led Randolph-Macon squad at Randolph-Macon. Now they head to Hope to take on Thomas Moore. A little deja vu. We'll talk to Bill Broderick about that. Then we'll talk to Coach Kelly from Gustavus Adolphus. There's the team that took out Whitewater. We'll talk to her about getting the Gusties on to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, representing MIAA along with St. Thomas. And then Carla Berube will join us from Tufts. Last time we talked to her, it was the preseason. We'll talk to her about the season that has been for the Jumbos and what they will now have to do at Scranton on the women's side. If you're not sure, the hosts have been announced on the women's side. For me, it was pretty obvious. I thought Scranton would host. Amherst was obviously a slam dunk. Pretty sure Hope was going to host when we knew there was going to be two flights. And then... Warburg hosting as well. On the men's side, three of them were pretty obvious. We were pretty confident he was going to go to Augustana because Oshkosh can get to Augustana without a flight, not to John Carroll, where everybody would have had to flown. Um, we also have, sorry, my brain just went uh, kaplooey on this. Uh, we're heading to Ramapo, as we mentioned, uh, where Franklin and Marshall, Middlebury, and MIT will be. We'll head to Platteville, where Wheaton, Stevens Point, Nebraska, Wesley, and Platteville will be. And then the surprise for me was Swarthmore. Uh, at one point, I was leaning towards Plattsburgh State might host this. I then looked at the numbers. Thank you to Ryan for reminding me. Hamilton's numbers were pretty solid. Hamilton could have easily hosted this, but instead it heads to Swarthmore. So those are your your hosts. It'll be uh, interesting to see how these games progress uh, as we move closer. Uh, well, Benjamin asked me, where, where on the East Coast, Philadelphia, where are you headed for sectional Swarthmore or Ramapole? I am located in the Baltimore area. Uh, that's how I got to York and Johns Hopkins for games on Friday. Uh, So I'm southwest of Philadelphia, the city that no one talks about between Philadelphia and D.C. But I'm outside Baltimore. Not sure where I'm headed yet. Got some uh, challenges on my side uh, logistically that we have to figure out. Um, I've got a couple ideas of where I'd like to head, but there's also other staff behind the scenes we've got to figure out. All four of those are certainly reasonable. Not sure I can get all four are within range of me being able to get to this year. But I do stick with the men because I head to Salem and I will be calling the games for the NCAA uh, on the men's side. So I do like going to see the men's games if I can uh, this weekend. And so that's we'll we'll see. We'll see Uh, if things are tight. It'll definitely be Ramapo or Swarthmore or both, depending on how I can pull things off. I sometimes can double dip going to one on one day and one on the other. Um, But we'll see. Decision won't be made. You'll know on Thursday when we do the show. All right, with that note, we have got to get going. I know there's a lot to talk about. We can certainly talk about plenty more, but we have a lot of guests on the show tonight as well, and we want to get to them. 
Um, if you do have questions for us, tweet us, email us, Facebook us, you name it, you can do it. Certainly will be interesting to hear what you all have to say. Um, and we'll try and answer your questions as well, especially for our coaches. All of our coaches live tonight, by the way. All of them live, and we look forward to having them with us. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll start things off with Ramapo, Ramapo coach Chuck McBreen. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division Three student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. It'd be helpful if I hit the audio button. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. We are live as we always are. You're watching Hoopsville on this Sunday evening as we break down the first weekend of the tournament and start looking ahead to the second weekend on our road to Rochester for the women and on the road to Salem on the men's side. Of course, we're coming from the WBCA and ABC studios presented by D3Hoops.com. If you got questions for us, the information on how to contact us scrolling at the bottom of your screen. We appreciate all of those of you who have tuned in to watch. We appreciate it. If you're tuned into the podcast or on demand, we appreciate you as well. You're finding time to listen to the show, and that means a lot to us. All right, so one of the knocks we've had on the NJAC for a long time is they struggle to get out of the second weekend. It's been a fact. Stockton twice has done it and certainly made some deep runs in the last 15 years. But outside of that, it's it's been a little bit troublesome for NJCU, who lost to Union on the opening night. Ramapo had the opportunity to maybe get out of the weekend this year. 
uh, though they were going to have to get past a tough, tough, a Williams squad is what I'm really trying to say. But they had to get past their opening game as well, which has also been challenged. Well, they did it. They got past not only their opening game, but they got past Williams on the road. And now their reward is they're actually going to be hosting the second weekend of the tournament in New Jersey. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's their head coach, Chuck McBreen. And sir, tip of the hat, absolutely tremendous. You guys are playing still and getting a chance to host. Thanks, Dave. I really, really appreciate that. You and I have talked about this topic in nauseam. Um, it, it's a favorite, mainly because we see you every darn year at the D3Hoops.com Classic. Um, <laughs> there's not much else we can talk about. You guys really looked good this year, up until we saw you at the D3Hoops.com Classic. Lost two in a row to Ohio West, Wesleyan and Central. And then you guys struggled a little bit in conference. Honestly, with me, did you think you guys had the team that could get what you've gotten accomplished now done while in the middle of that little rough spot in the middle of the season? No, to be honest with you, no. We we struggled at, at different points of the season. You know, we had a tough opener with Randolph-Macon, and then we kind of got it going, and then we got out to Vegas, and we did, definitely didn't put our best foot forward. And then we came home, and, and I don't know if we struggled when we got home. We won our first game back, and then we played a tough college New Jersey team on their court and lost at the buzzer. Uh, I think more of the struggle was out in Vegas as opposed to when we got home. Uh, and then we started to get it back going. And then we lost a tough game at Jersey City, which was is a tough place to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so on the overall, it, it, it hasn't been easy. I thought it was a, a, a lot easier season as far as the way things unfolded for last year's team as opposed to this year's team. But to their credit, we have such a great group of seniors uh, great leaders, high character guys, and, and they stayed with it. And they had to play through the expectations of being preseason number five, being picked by all 10 coaches to win the end Jack uh, and all. And, and it made the task a little bit more difficult, but in the end uh, they've risen to the occasion and now is standing here at this point. Absolutely. Uh, they've risen at the, certainly the right time. Uh, calling the game against Central uh, that you guys ended up losing by five in, in Vegas. One of the comments I made, you guys were up pretty strong, almost 20, if not 20. But I started to see some things that concerned me, and I said, listen, this is the point where Ramapo has struggled, that sometimes they get up on an opponent and they think we've got this, and, and they seem to take their foot off the accelerator. And I thought we saw that in the NCAA tournaments as well. Lo and behold, Central comes storming back, gives you guys a game, and you lose by five. I raise that only to ask this. Is it, have you taken that example of a game and used it with your team to say, guys, the game is never over. We can't let off the accelerator. We, we discuss that regularly. And for some reason, this team, I, I don't think, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know if it's us taking our foot off the gas pedal or just separating the two ends of the floor. Uh, mm. When we go through droughts, one of the things we're trying to get our guys to understand that both ends of the floor are separate. And when we go through droughts offensively, we have shown the ability to let us affect us on a defensive oh. end as well. And as a result, runs occur. And once we say one of the hardest things to stop in sports is momentum. Yeah. And so it's not a matter, I don't think, of us taking our foot off the accelerator or us feeling comfortable that the lead is in a good place. I think it's more so not separating both ends of the floor. Mm. And when we do this, teams start to creep back in the game. And then, you know, once it gets started and the snowball starts <laughs> picking up speed, 
It's hard to stop. So we've had trouble with this all year long, not just against Central. So this has been an ongoing thing. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, we constantly talk about as long as we can continue to get stops on the defensive end, even if we're struggling on the offensive end, we'll be okay. But, you know, at times when we've blown a game like the Central and all, we've had – it's been our inability to separate the two ends. That's fascinating, and I see your point. Um, you can start getting down on your offense, and then you kind of get checked out on defense as a result because you're worried too much about the offense or whatever the case may be. It's separating the two. Uh, that's some of the best teams can figure out how to do that. Um, how much did you see that now coming to fruition? You had a relatively easy game with Moravian. Don't want to knock them too much, but 86-61. But then you had to take on Williams at Williams uh, and got past them by four in a really tough battle. What was the what was the secret to the sauce, as it were, to get through that one? Well, the biggest thing with them is that they play both ends of the floor. Mm-hmm. They do a great job. If you can get, if they get you into a half court basketball game, they execute their half court offense tremendously, and they're a great great team defense in the half court. You know, our idea was to try to get the game going up and down and more at our pace. We didn't do a great job of it, but the good thing that we were able to do on the most part was separate the two ends. And we struggled at times offensively in this game. You know, we struggled right uh, up until the end of the first half. And I think we went on a 10 nothing run to end the first half. And then at the end of the game, we had a 58-52 lead with about four and a half minutes to go. We turn it over. We get a shot clock violation. And then they score seven straight. So, again, we came to the timeout. And I, I told our guys that 7 nothing run is the product of us not being able to separate you know, we had bad offense at that time, but there, it was definitely not a time to have bad defense. And we <laughs> did, and they, they took a one-point lead with 3.17 to go, yeah. uh, but then we went back on like a 7-0 or 8-0 run to kind of seal the deal. But, I mean, they're a great team. They're so well coached. They have such history. Obviously, they were in the Final Four last year uh, and all. And for us to go up there and, and not being able to get out of the first weekend since 2005, and find a way to get it done is just an amazing accomplishment for our program. Certainly. Correct me if I'm wrong, but my memory serves, I think it was 2005, the last time you guys hosted the second weekend of the tournament. Um, unfortunately, it was a loss in the, in, the, in the Sweet 16 round. York came out of there. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm missing one in between. But the bigger point being, you're getting a chance to be at home. You're getting a chance to take on Franklin and Marshall at your place, and potentially should you win, a chance to get to Salem at your on your court. How much does that mean to you as a as an individual who I know that is prideful of this team, but also at the same time, what does this mean to the program? It means a great deal. I mean, one of the goals when I took this job was to get to Salem, and it, in my first four or five years, we we got to the final eight and lost by two out at Worcester, uh, and and then we came right back in two thousand five, two years later and got to the Sweet 16 and had an opportunity to host and get to the um, Final Four. And at that point in my career, I thought that this would be an opportunity that we would have on a regular basis. Mm. And me being young and naive, not realizing how difficult it it is, not only just to, to win the conference and then to get out of the first weekend, you know, just became even tougher for us. So it's been a long, hard road to get back to this point and hopefully we can make the most of this opportunity to host. But it, it's difficult, man. There's so many great teams in the country uh, and all, and, and you need a lot of luck. I mean, I, I was watching tonight where I saw 
what happened in that Wash U game where they hit mm. a three to tie it, and then I believe it was Aurora come right back with four seconds and, and gets a three. You need so much luck, you know, or a bounce of the ball, you know, or, or something. And and also, you have to be good, but you have to have some luck to, to advance in this tournament as well. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, you're, we should point out you're on the national committee in your first year. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment, but we, I want to clarify to anybody at home, you weren't allowed to take part in the conversations about getting to your place. I know you well, Chuck. If you were allowed, I suspect it would have been a lot of, you know, New Jersey's a beautiful time this year. Uh, got lots of great things. You really should come the, to our place. Really should come. <laughs> yeah. uh, other than the snow. You're right. Uh, it, it, it is a great place. I mean, I lived here my whole life, and I love it. Uh, I thought we would have gotten the opportunity again. I'm not allowed to be on the call right. uh, because I'm in the tournament. So I thought that there was an opportunity for us to host in the first weekend. And unfortunately for us, the committee didn't feel that way. And <laughs> and, and and I know that everything, it, it's such a classy committee, a very professional, great group of guys. I'm really enjoying working with them. And, and at the end of the day, they did their job. They looked at the data uh, and and they came up with, the teams that would be hosting in that first weekend. And, you know, it was unfortunate that it, it, it wasn't us. But at the end of the day, uh, we told our team there's only 64 teams playing and, and, and we're still one of them. And let's make the most of this opportunity, especially since I start five seniors. So every game is there, could be their last. And we just wanted to make the most of it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the committee in a moment, but I want to talk about the team before we get any further. First and foremost, you're led, and everybody knows that, by uh, Thomas Monicum, second on the team, Christopher Mosley, uh, Patrick Peterson, third on the team at just a hair under double digits at 9.9, .9, and then Josh Ford. But back to Bonicum. Um, I wouldn't say this was the, the season I think a lot of people expected. It seemed like he, he wasn't necessarily himself, maybe not at 100% much of the season. But, man, he is one you guys rely on, and when he's on, he's on, and he can certainly spark you guys. Well, he did that last night. I mean, he yeah. played like an All-American last night. He hasn't had the season that he had last year, and I don't know. He will never admit to it because he's just such a high-character kid with a great leader. Uh, I, I think, personally, he might be playing with an injury from last year that mm -hmm. he might need an operation after the season. But, again, he's never going to admit to it. Uh, at all, and only time will tell if that is the case. But he goes out there, no matter how he's feeling or what his injury is, he's going to play and he's going to give it his best. And you know, throughout the year, he's he struggled a little bit, but down the stretch, when these games have mattered most, he has he has been unbelievable. Uh, and and last night, he might have had the best game of his career. I mean, he went out 33, 13 mm -hmm. points. I think he had three or four assists and. Uh, a couple of steals and a couple of block shots, and he carried us. We had 66 points. He had 33 of them. He shot 11 for 15 from the field. Uh was perfect from the foul line, 5 for 7 from the 3. I mean, it was just an amazing game. When when we had adversity throughout the game and needed a play to be made, he kind of put us on his uh, on his back and made the play. So, I mean, he's just it's just a pleasure to coach him, and I'm really going to miss him when he goes because he's just – He's even a better person than he is a player, and, and we're going to hate to see him go. I think three of his four seasons we've saw him in Vegas. It's been fun to watch him kind of grow as a player. But I, one little quirk, and, and, and maybe I'm seeing it differently, it seems sometimes, though, when you guys are struggling, uh, and you talk about both sides of the floor, but when the offense is a little off, 
it feels like sometimes he can disappear because other guys are trying to help spark the team. And then, then they realize, no, we got to get it to Bonacum, and now he's out of sorts, but at the same time, the other guys disappear. Is is that kind of trying to stay in the flow hard for you guys? Because he's a different style than a, than a Mosley or a Peterson or, or a McWilliams, just as they're different styles than he is. The, the thing with Tommy is he's so unselfish that sometimes we have to really kind of beg him to stop passing up good opportunities and that our team goes as he goes. And and at the end of the day, when he's going well, he makes everybody around him better. Yeah. But sometimes he takes the back seat. And one of the biggest things we preach in our program is unselfishness. And these, team, these two teams I've had the last two years have just been un- incredibly unselfish to a fault sometimes where we pass up good shot opportunities early in the shot clock only to get a poor shot at the end of the shot clock. And then you see us go into these droughts for three or four or five minutes without scoring, and we're passing up good shot opportunities. So, I mean, we preach unselfishness every day, but sometimes we do it to a fault. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, All right, let me slide into your committee role. You got your first chance to serve on the National Committee. I know you and I have had long conversations about how this whole thing works. Uh, And now you're kind of in, you're in deep, as they say, Coach. Uh, What's been the first year like for you? It's been it's been a lot of fun. A great group of guys. You know, I didn't know what to expect. It was my first year. There was suggestions from a, a numerous amount of people that I thought that I would be good mm-hmm. at this role. You know, based on the fact that number one, I coach. I've served on the rack, and I am an administrator at Rampo. So yeah. they thought that I fit the bill uh, for this committee. And I mean, these guys embraced me and welcomed me with open arms. Tim Fitzpatrick is just a great leader of the group. I really respect him tremendously and all the other guys on the committee I got great respect for. So it's been fun. I'm looking forward to working with them in Salem. If I'm fortunate enough to still be playing in Salem, uh, you know, that would be great as well. But obviously I'm going to be on this committee for the next four years and I'm going to get the opportunity to spend time with these guys. And, I, and I'm really looking forward to it because they've taught me a great deal uh, about, everything in regards to this tournament and, and and how it works you know a lot of times people see just basic numbers and one win loss percentage and don't really know enough about SOS and regional rank opponents mm. and so forth mm-hmm. so they don't really know what goes into the criteria of of picking teams and getting the right teams in the field but I, I think there's always going to be, whether it's Division One, whether it's all level, there's going to be questions on those last few teams. Oh, sure. Who might have, who might have been snubbed or who, who didn't. But at the end of the day, I, I think we, the, the committee on the whole did a great job. And in my opinion, I think we, we did a good, good job of getting this right. Uh, since I've got you, uh, one question we had just regarding ranking. You guys had kind of a, a tough conversation, not ranking, I'm sorry, hosting. You had a, kind of a tough conversation, I'm sure, between Plattsburgh, Swarthmore, and Hamilton. Those three are very similar in nature in terms of criteria and whatnot, all probably very easily uh, host um, material, as it were. Was that as tough as it seems from the outside? And, and what kind of led you guys towards Swarthmore? I heard it was it was a pretty obvious choice to some degree. Well, on the most part, a lot of things, again, like I said, people don't have access to numbers. People don't have right. access to who, who put in to host. Uh, I mean, these are all different things that come into the equation. It's not so much always just the numbers. You know, right. sometimes sometimes people, uh, for whatever reason, uh, their site's not available or whatever. So there's different things that go into it and all. And, you know, at the end of the day, we had good discussion. Uh, and on a whole, the committee just decided that uh, – it, it was Swarthmore. Sure. You know, 
No, I get it. Uh, it, it. You're right. There's a lot of stuff even we try as media guys, as much as we know the system, we know we don't see it all. You guys have a lot bigger monitors in front of you with a lot more information than we do. And so, uh, hey, I appreciate you taking the time. I could talk to you more about this. You and I always talk uh, long, but we got to get going tonight. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in Salem no matter what, because obviously you will be there, but it'd be cool if we get to see your team there. So good luck this weekend, to be sure. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Again, like I've always said every time I've been on a show, I appreciate all the hard work you do for D3. I mean, the coverage and all, I, re I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to being in Salem one way or the other. Obviously, I would love to be there as a coach yeah. for the first time in my career because it's been a goal of mine since I took over at Ramapo, and I would love that opportunity uh, and all. So I'm, I'm hoping that we are up to the challenge and, you know, the home court advantage on our place plays a factor but that remains to be seen so okay. either way i will definitely see you in salem and and thank you for having me on the show today absolutely sir thanks for taking the time enjoy the week at the very least and i look forward to talking to you down the road all right dave thank you absolutely chuck mcbreen joining us on the city of salem hoopsville hotline ramapo 23 and 6 they are on a uh, five-game winning streak their last loss coming to New Jersey City, as Coach pointed out, back on February 10th. They'll take on Franklin and Marshall in the second of two games there uh, in Mawa at the Bradley Center. Should be some uh, fun, exciting basketball, to be sure. Thanks to Coach McBreen for joining us. Going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk to Larry Anderson of MIT. How does he think his team did getting out of Baltimore? And furthermore, how does he think they're going to do next weekend? You're listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More hoops will after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division 1, more fans than Division 2, and more upsets than March Madness. 
There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this Sunday show. We're going to keep things moving along because we're running a little bit behind. We've got a lot to get in tonight. If you're tr- listening to or watching the Emmys, why? You should be watching us. We have a much more exciting and less political, I'm assuming. We're not as well-dressed. I understand. I know. I, I'm wearing Salem tonight. I'm not wearing Vera Wang. I hope you don't mind. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Noticed a couple of our teases went out today under my personal account, Dave McHugh, and not out under the Hoopsville account. I got nothing for you, folks. Uh, sometimes the new tweet deck with its new restrictions has been a little bit convoluted despite our best efforts. Um, if you got them, send them. We will try and do our best with questions. So MIT, listen, I'll be honest. They lost three of four and really almost four in a row after Jomard went down with an injury against Babson. They have recovered, beating Clark, WPI, and Babson, along with WPI again, in the conference championship to move on. Looked really good against Brockport, and while I didn't watch him against Hopkins, I know beating Hopkins means they played pretty darn well. But that's my opinion. What does the coach think of it all? Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach of MIT, the 19th-ranked engineers. It is Larry Anderson, and welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you, Dave. So listen, we, we've talked about this, you and I, um, just to ourselves, but at the same time, I know it's been a topic of conversation. Jamard, who is your all-everything guy, goes down in that Babson loss in overtime. You barely get past Wheaton in the next one in overtime, then lose two in a row to Coast Guard in Springfield. And I'll admit, I didn't think things looked all that good for you guys. But it seems like you guys have re-tinkered and almost the injury has helped reshape your team in a way that's allowed other guys to realize, oh, I do have a role and I can contribute. Is that a fair way of saying it? Absolutely. Um, you know, if you date back to last year a little bit, we lost Brad Jamard and um, we ended up winning 17 games, I believe, without him. Um, but we're much better team with him, for sure. And... Um, when he went down this year, we knew we could be in big trouble. Um, but when we thought about it, we reverted back to last year again and said, how do, how did we do, how do we do last year and what are we going to do now? And, you know, having guys uh, upper class like AJ Yurko, uh, Cam Corb, um, and guys, Vinny, uh, Tim Roberts, guys like that who have been through, uh, the wars, we thought that, um, collectively we could ask and help guys improve you know, one or two plays. And that's what we've been working on, um, you know, over the last two or three weeks here. And um, they've stepped up to the challenge. Not only stepped up to the challenge, but, um, you know, a win over WPI to close the season. Uh, then you beat Babson and you got them back for that overtime loss in the semifinals of the conference tournament. And then got past WPI for that conference championship. Granted, didn't play Springfield thanks to the upset by WPI. And then you looked really good against Brockport. I wouldn't say you looked stellar. I think Brockport kind of got you guys into a bit of a, of a game that you weren't exactly wanting to play, but your defense was really good against them, um, except for that one player. Uh, and, and your offense seemed to be clicking. I, now, I don't know what you guys did necessarily against Hopkins because I wasn't there, but 
you at least seem like you're confident and, and confidence sometimes can get you really far. Well, um, we, we, we're cautiously confident. Okay. Um, <laughs> if you, if you will, um, the thing is we, we try to put the work in every day in practice and, um, we let the results, you know, uh, fall where they may. And, when we go into these games, you know, you, you need some luck in one or two calls here or there or a play made here and there gives you an opportunity to win the game. What we want to try to do is, is, is stay as close as we can and give ourselves an opportunity to, at the end, to have a chance to, to have some success. Um, and what we've talked about, too, is, you know, the collective effort, you know, stepping up um, our efforts on the defensive side of the basketball uh, with the number of injuries that we've had this year. Uh, we haven't had a lot of practice time together, um, but as of late, uh, the last two or three days prior to going to the NCAA tournament, we did have a chance to practice, and our defense got a little bit better. As you, you were at the Brockport um, State game, well, what we wanted to do there was um, initially to try to take away some of their their good ball movement that they normally have and, and have them not do so much there, but that almost backfired on us with, with one of the seniors who's an outstanding player. He had 38 points against us. And um, in that second half, he was just tremendous. So that's what we wanted to have happen, but we didn't know uh, that we, we just didn't have an answer for, for what he was doing there. And then we come back and we play Hopkins. Um, I've been knowing Josh, their head coach, for a number of years, mm-hmm. and they're a tremendous team. Uh, have been one of the best teams in the country uh, for most of the year, and um, we knew we'd have our hands full there. And our defense um, that we have been working on have – you know, we held them to 54 points, and I was proud of that. Um, that first half there, they held us to what um, I believe it was um, maybe 33% shooting um, from the field or something like that, um, and that from, from three-point land, and they held us to 27 points. In the second half, we came out, and we shot the ball so much better um, there, so our offense picked up. But our defense is what carried us throughout. Defense has always been something you've been very proud of. Um, but this team seems to also be a little bit – let's refer back to the last time you guys made a significant run the NCAA tournament and had a team like this that could be as dangerous. They weren't as mobile. They were more about execution on offense and being smart on defense. This team seems a little bit speedier maybe or um, I don't know the right term here. It seems like you're playing with a different card, uh, stack of cards this time. Yeah, we, we- – we uh, we coach according to what we get, and uh, the, we we try to play to our kids' strength, and you try to hide our weaknesses to a certain degree. But I, I think this group we have, we their, their skill set is a little bit more um, um, advanced, if you will. Um, that some guys can have a they have more lanes that they can play with. Then um, AJ Yuriko, Dakota Pierce, uh, Cam Corb, they can do a few more things. So you're playing more five man basketball as opposed to Years ago, when you watched this play, when I went to the Final Four, we had Mitchell Cates who had the ball in his hands, what, maybe 99.9% of the time? <laughs> yeah. And so we, we play more five-man basketball right now because the skill set is a little bit different. So Jamard's been out. The team seems to have retooled nicely without him. And by the way, we should point out, it's not like this team's going anywhere away soon. You're going to grow a lot from this experience whenever it ends, whether it's cutting down the nets in Salem or, or you know, on Friday. It doesn't matter. This team's getting a lot of experience. But 
He's been banged up. Is, is he out? Is he done? Or do you have any hopes that maybe if you get into the right spot, he might be able to come back and kind of give this team a shot in the arm on top of the shot they've already taken? Well, it, it's, it's possible. I was, you know, when I was we were at Johns Hopkins this weekend, and our athletic trainer just came over to us and said, "Well, um, uh, Bradley's really making some some big time progress. He's, he's way, way, way ahead of schedule. So it, it's certainly possible. We we miss him." Uh, and we love him have, have him back on the court. And he's been doing a, a tremendous job in terms of going to um, a therapy, working out with uh, uh, Jessica. And uh, so we're, we're hopeful, but we don't know for sure right now. We, we're going to be cautious with, with him. Yeah. we got him for another year. Well, that's the thing, is, is everybody comes back. And how important is it, and this is a, an odd question maybe, but how important is it for a team, no matter how this season goes, to gain this postseason experience going into next year or is it overrated that sometimes it's it it ends up being a, a maybe a curse instead of a blessing i think each year is different um just like each game is different um we had some experience of, of being an NCAA tournament um here and we started off with brockport state this year and i thought our guys were a little tight and you know for the first five or six minutes and then they settled down a little bit and started to play uh, mit basketball um so uh, I think it depends on the kind of kids you have. It's, it's nice to have been there, but I think it's the mentality uh, of the group that it plays the, the, the better role in, in terms of, of a prediction of how you might do from game to game or year to year out. But this experience that we're gaining right now, we hope that it does um, pay dividends you know, going forward. Um, next up's Middlebury, and I was going to say you're somewhat familiar with them. You're in the same darn region. But that said, I'm not even sure the last time you guys played them in the regular season or even the postseason. Um, I've been going through, and it's been a while. Um, it's how, been a minute, yeah. Yeah. It, what do you expect from this game? I know it's early, and I'm not going to hold you to this, but what do right. you expect from the Panthers? And, and, and have you had any familiarity with them whatsoever, at least in recent history? Jeff is a good friend of mine, and you well coached. They're going to the Final Four. They're always in the NCAA tournament. They're always one of the best teams in the country, and as well as the Northeast region. Uh, and they play in a, a, one of the, the top conferences in the country, the NESCAC. So we we expect um, them to to uh, be a top notch team. Play really fast. Play tough defense. I just looked at the scores where they played in their. Um, I don't know if it was their first or second round game where they. They uh, put up a lot of points, and they played well in the defensive end as well. Um, but at this point, we have not. I, we just got back on campus, so we haven't had a chance to uh, take the, you know, any film out to try to study them just yet. But I know what their program has been over the years, and we expect nothing but um, top-flight basketball. I know we better be prepared or we're going <laughs> to get run out of the gym. I've heard you say that about a lot of, of teams that you've had to face, is you've got to be prepared. Um, I, this don't take this the wrong way, coach, but every once in a while, I get the feeling that you guys are a little bit of an aw shucks type of team. Um, I mean, in the sense that, Hey, you know, I've, I've got guys who want to play basketball, but geez, you know, they're really smart kids. Uh, they're here for another reason or yeah, we're having a pretty good season and you know, we're enjoying it. You guys don't either a seem to take anything seriously, which is, which is perfectly fine. Or the other side of that, you guys don't seem to take yourselves maybe as seriously or realize just how good you really are or what you're, what you're, what you're portraying to the rest of the country in the sense of talent and, and what student athletes can do. It, do you guys realize the significance of MIT and how successful you've been? 
Oh, shucks, Dave. <laughs> I walked right into that. Yeah, that's my fault. Well, one thing. Let me see. How do, how do I answer that? I'm not trying to give you a coach's response either. I, I, I First of all, I'll start with myself. Um, my mother taught me, my late mother, Willette Anderson, taught me to be extremely humble, very humble. And we, this is a humbling experience to be in this NCAA tournament and, and to be doing what we do. Like, my God, I can't believe we get paid to do what we do. Um, and I think our guys are the same way. Um, you can um, look at our guys. They go out and they do their jobs. They just think it's a, you just go out and play, and this is what you're supposed to be doing as opposed to looking for any accolades or anything they do. That's what makes this such a special place to coach. Um, it's because they just come to work, put their hard hats on, and say, let's, let's do this and let's have fun doing it. And uh, we, like you said, we, we, we take what we do seriously, but we don't take ourselves very seriously. Mm. Um, we, we think that there's so many great teams across the country, um, and we think what um, one of my late mentors used to say, there are no big shots, there's no little shots, everybody's a good shot. Uh-huh. And so we think we're a good shot just like everybody else. Well, that's a that's a great answer. Thank you. Appreciate it. I got a quick question about Rust and Caltech. I'm kidding. That was just a little inside <laughs> joke with you, sir. By the way, Ken, shout out to Ken Johnson, your head of communications. He says you're 12 and six, uh, edge on Middlebury in the all-time series. Last time you played was 06, 07. Yeah. So there gives you an idea of how long. Um, at this point, is it house money? I mean, I, I, that's a weird question, but I mean, I assume you're just enjoying the the ride at this point. Yes, you want to get to Salem. I mean, winning a national championship is always a goal and certainly important. But at the same time, I, I get the feeling a, a team like yours also just enjoys the the opportunity. Um, you know, anytime you you you're, you're going to definitely enjoy the opportunity. But um, if you come to practice and work really hard every day, you got to ask yourself the question: Why are you working? Are you working just to play with house money? Yeah. Are you working just to, to, to learn a skill? We, we, have, we, we call ourselves the FAT family, and that, that's an acronym for passion, hard work, accountability, um, toughness, and family. Um, when we, we try to you know, live by those, those values every single day, individually and collectively. So you don't come to practice just to play with house money. And, and MIT, to me, um, you know, not just in, in, in athletics but in academics, too, when you – when you make up your mind to do something, you want to try to put forth your best effort uh, to, to do that, and that's what we make every effort to do. Maybe I shouldn't say house money. Isn't MIT famous to having a, a group of, of, of students and maybe a professor who went to Vegas and, and did very Absolutely. well? I, I might have used the wrong kind of <laughs> reference there, now that I think about it. Um, yeah, so, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. No, no, you come to practice, and when you go to practice every single day, you – you work hard, and you hope you can get some results from that. Uh, I never, we never looked at it as you know, playing with house money. We, we figure like, if you work really hard, let's try to get some results as um, you know from the hard work we put in. Well, congratulations. Um, I'm always, uh, I always enjoy watching you guys play. I enjoy how you coach. I enjoy the team on the floor. I'm never. I'm always surprised, I guess. I, I'm never sure of what I'm going to see because I think you guys just tackle it differently every game, and I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Good luck this weekend. Um, it's coming weekend. We're still on the weekend. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Absolutely. Um, 
Division three, we have a good brand of basketball here, and I, I hope people who are uh, near and far would come out to see us play in any other Division three institution that's, that's playing basketball in your area. And, Dave, as we always say, uh, we appreciate what you do for our program and, any, and all the Division three programs across the country. And thanks for having me on tonight. Well, thanks, sir. I appreciate it. The kind words, as always. Uh, take care of yourself. Safe travels. Look forward to catching you whenever I get the chance to catch you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Larry Anderson joining us on the City of Salem. Hoopsville Hotline, the 19th-ranked engineers, on to the second round, second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Third round, they will take on Middlebury for the first time since 06-07. Thank you, Mr. Ken uh, Johnson, for that little tidbit of, of information. Um, they're a good team. They're, uh, here's the thing, folks. There isn't a senior on that squad. I'm letting this sink in for you. There isn't a senior on that squad. They all come back. All right, so I somehow screwed up the order. Our next guest was supposed to be Jason Zimmerman from Emory, and then we were going to talk to Larry Anderson from MIT. I don't know how I did it. I literally have one note with the correct schedule and then rewrote it and flipped it. Needless to say, next up, Jason Zimmerman from Emory. We'll take a break. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. I'm a Division Three student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division III allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How wouldn't change it for the world? Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we get rolling along here on this Sunday evening. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can uh, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com 
slash hoops or live streaming the show. Hope you'll uh, enjoy it and chat along. We know we got some questions on there. We'll try and get to everybody. All our guests are live tonight, uh, and we hope you uh, are enjoying this more than you might be enjoying the Oscars. Nothing against the Oscars. I'd rather watch it on speed uh, forward because I don't need to see it all. Anyway, moving on, because we're talking Division Three basketball. We are almost midway through the uh, NCAA tournament, and one of the teams that we expected to still be dancing along was certainly from uh, the, the uh, UAA, as it were. Uh, if you're not paying attention, that's because, uh, you know, Wash U's an outstanding team. They should be playing well. We expect them to be playing well. Why would – oh, wait, they lost. We showed that in the first round or the first beginning of the show. Emory still dancing in the NCAA tournament and playing some pretty good basketball, though they got a good tough, tough, tough test ahead of them. No surprise there. But what do we expect of all this? Well, joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's their head coach, Jason Zimmerman. And, Coach, congratulations on where you guys are so far. You've got to be thrilled. Yeah, really excited about uh, where we are with the team and excited about the weekend coming up and Friday night and just continuing to play and get better. And, uh, you know, 23 and 4 with this group, uh, group of seniors is something that we're very proud of. And, uh, something that we're looking forward to try to improve on. I'll admit, I've had trouble figuring you guys out. Yes, 23 and 4 is outstanding. I've heard that. I've heard yeah, that you a pro- lot. Heard you that. I've read your stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you've read it. You've tuned in. I know what you've been doing. Uh, <laughs> you've heard it as if someone had told you through the grapevine. Um, I mean, when you look at the beginning of the season, I see a loss to LaGrange, 84-78. I see Hampton-Sydney, who had a lousy season, trip you guys up 90-85. to uh, I do see good wins. Don't get me wrong. You beat Illinois Wesleyan, and you beat them good, 72-56. Um, and then Wash U got you guys both times, and I watched both games, and, and I, I guess maybe I oversold Wash U and undersold you guys a little bit because those games just weren't there. Uh, you know, they, they, you, they were double digits. What am I missing? What am I not getting? I know it's always a, a well-coached team. You're a great coach. We know that you do well. You get these programs or your programs to do well. But what am I missing about this team that I'm that I'm not seeing that's made you guys have such a great season? Well, obviously, I appreciate you saying that about my coaching ability. But our, our guys, we have really good players, right? Uh, guys who have been through the process and uh, have, have been in many uh, many games. And they, and they did. It wasn't like that. Like, we had to play for 40 minutes to, to get that outcome, right? So being familiar was great, but uh, Coach had, coach Rogers had their team playing great down that stretch. When we played them early in the year, I thought they were very explosive. And um, and then they were they were very good on Friday night, and it took us, you know, the whole time, 40 minutes to try to win that game. So, um, you know, I think you were talking about with Chuck about New, New Jersey being nice in, in March. Well, Atlanta is nice in March, right? So we love hosting the first and second round. We'd love to host the third and fourth round, too, if it ever got a chance, right? So we yeah. know it's going to be warm down here, right? So <laughs> yeah, It's true. Yeah, we don't have any weather problems there. Absolutely. That's right. Well, that's not entirely true. Um, by the way, for any of you who wonder what happened to the audio, I'm not sure. We must have mispunched something and lost uh, something there from the from the segment. I apologize. Not sure what you missed, but it's probably a dumb question from me, so we'll, we won't worry about it. Um, you had Letourneau in the second round, uh, and a real tight game there. And I think Letourneau maybe proved some naysayers wrong about uh, teams out of Texas for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't say you're overly familiar with a fellow South region uh, opponent there. How'd you guys prep for that one? What'd you expect and how'd it turn out? Yeah, we, well, I have a great staff, uh, Charlie Cop, and they had that 
uh, scout for the first night, and then Kevin Sullivan had the scout for the second night. And uh, so we, we prepped like we do for a UAA weekend, right? So uh, we were ready. We only had one day. We usually have one day in between, but we have that no-day prep for that. And I thought our guys did a good job of, of uh, getting really familiar with them uh, in that you know 12 hours that we had. But, uh, again, they're very explosive. Like Their, their backcourt can really score. And if you look at their numbers, uh, uh, that's one of those games where you have to play and, and guard them for 40 minutes, and you, you never have the game won. We, we felt like we we're controlling the game, and then you look up and you're, you're up three, and they got guys who are very explosive and can score. Uh, so now you now you got you know you're in danger of a shot going in. And uh, again, it was a great game. We're very fortunate to to win and move on, and we're excited about uh, about headed up to Augustana. Yeah. So speaking of Augustana. You got a little familiarity of being sent to the same part of the country. Um, maybe that's one thing we can talk to the committee about is at least putting you guys in a separate bracket. Uh, two years, of course, last year you went to Harden Simmons in the opening weekend. Uh, two years ago, you were at Augustana, uh, lost to them in the Sweet 16. The year before that, you're at Stevens Point, lost to them in the Sweet 16. The year before that, see if you get the pattern here, folks. They were at Stevens Point, lost in the Elite Eight to Whitewater after upsetting Stevens Point in the previous game. Um, you. You you certainly know this trip to some degree. You know what you guys are expected to do. Does that help in in this case, or is it still new? Because again, players are rotating in and off of teams. Yeah, I think it's new. Uh, you know, you have a new team every year, right? Uh, yeah. Obviously, it's 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 nice for for I've been experienced that my staff, uh, the seniors, the seniors have been to Augustana. You know, um, they've been to we've been to Stevens Point a couple of times. Great atmospheres and both those places, uh, you know, great college basketball atmospheres, right? And uh, and so it's exciting. It's exciting for our guys to go to those places. And, uh, you know, last night I couldn't sleep, so I got to watch some Oshkosh film, and, <laughs> and then I really couldn't sleep, right? Because uh, <laughs> he's done – because um, Pat's done a great job with his team, and, and they're very, very well coached and disciplined. And uh, so, so we're looking forward to – you know, we, we've played the uh, the host, right? We've played, we've gone to Stevens Point and played Stevens Point. We've gone to Augustana and played Augustana. And now we get to go to Augustana and play Oshkosh. I don't know if that's like a, a prize. Like, <laughs> I just watched a film. <laughs> I just watched a film and I, my gosh, like, uh, they're so talented and they, they got guys that uh, really know how to play the game. Uh, we're excited about the opportunity, but uh, we're going to have to play as well as we have all year to have a chance to win. Uh, talking to uh, Jason Zimmerman here, head coach of Emory. Only have a few more minutes, so we'll try and get the next couple of ones in here quick. Uh, led by Roman Williams, uh, 15 and a half points a game. Doesn't even start a majority of the games. He's, he's coming off the bench for you. Adam Gigax, the second guy on your team who a lot of people expected to have a good season, 14 points a game. Christopher Avant, 12 points and seven rebounds for you. Uh, Gabriel uh, Bately, 11 points. That's four guys in double figures, plus Matt uh, David at eight and a half and uh, and Bo Bomarito at, at seven and a half. You've got a lot of options offensively for a team scoring 82 and a half points a game. Yeah, you know, I think this team has done a great job of, of uh, really connecting, right? We've had, we have four seniors that have done a great job for us for four years. We have uh, two juniors that start for us, and they, they've really uh, gotten into their roles and understood their roles and are playing their roles great. Uh, Jabario and, and Bo are playing great. And then we have some freshmen coming off the bench, but uh, everybody's just really fit into their role. And on a given night, you know, uh, if if Adam Gigax is not making shots, Roman can make shots and, and Matt Davitt can make shots and Whit Rap kind of directs the whole thing. So 
I think the pieces really fit this year, uh, which has been fun. It's been fun for me to coach them. Uh, it's been fun because they've we've had a new group of guys that have you know um, infused some energy to guys who are really experienced. And uh, the the practice competition this year has been uh, phenomenal. Like some days I come home from practice and and uh, I just have to laugh because I said, man, that, that's as good a practice we've had, and we've been pretty. You know, pretty successful the last couple of years. So it's been a really fun group to coach because of those pieces that you talked about. Well, it's certainly been fun to watch, though at the same time perplexing. Because again, <laughs> I don't know what I'm missing, and and I'm at least I'll admit it. Uh, look forward to seeing what you guys do in Augustana. You point out Oshkosh is a tough team. I know you've only watched a little bit of tape. Maybe that's why, as you said, you were still up. You you should have yeah. turned their game on. You got a little bit more time to enjoy this. Um, as always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, just I just want to thank you for uh, this the sport you give Division Three basketball and everybody with for D three hoops. Uh, you know what they do for for our level, and uh, you know we, we don't have to beg people to come out and watch, right? We, we're a good level. Uh, Larry said, it. you know, this is this is a good product, and when people come out and watch, they want to come back. You know, they see some special kids on the court that. Uh, really inspire me every day, and I think when when people come to watch us play and uh, our level play, they, they see the same thing. But you do a great job of getting that out there to people who really want to want to see it and want to follow. So we really appreciate all you do. Well, thanks, Coach. I appreciate that. I I I, I have to retract. I do have one last question, but it's not from yeah. me. It's Absolutely. from Peyton. Uh, I I don't know where this is going, but he asks. He says uh, he thinks fans would be interested in hearing. Um, the the benefits of the quality of connection and communication throughout the year with his head coach as a player at Davidson, Bob McKillop, and fellow Davidson alum, Swarthmore head coach Landry Kozmowski, and Elon head coach Matt Matheny. Um, is, sure. What is that like versus any other coaching connection you may have? Yeah, you know, Coach McKillop's a special guy. Uh, he's a really special coach, a uh, special person, and uh, of course, Landry uh, played for Coach, but I coached Landry when I was at Davidson. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of contact there between uh, Landry and myself, Coach McKillop, Coach Matheny. I think it's like any coaching uh, tree Coach McKillop has. Um, you know, we talk to each other often, and when we talk, we talk, you know, the same vocabulary, right? So it's easy <laughs> for us to, to understand what the other guy's going through with the, the vocabulary and the mentorship that Coach McKillop's given us. And, uh, you know, it's just like you you you, you lean on your friends, right? Yeah. And uh, th- those guys are really special guys. And Landry's done a heck of a job at Swarthmore. I've really enjoyed watching him. And uh, you know, same thing. When I, uh, also, like Chris Murphy at uh, at Union had a great year this year. He's on my staff. Chris McHugh had a great year at Washington and Lee. And and those guys. There's other guys in the profession. I'm leaving now, but there's other guys that we talk to. That that communication just really helps you sometime when. Um, when they need, they know what you need to hear, right? So sometimes people don't call you after you lose, right? Mm-hmm. Those guys always call you after you lose because they know they need to, they want to talk to you. And um, they're special people, and I really enjoy speaking with them. And that's, I don't know what Peyton's getting at. You got to be careful when you ask a question that Peyton asked. Yeah, but, I figured as much. <laughs> but uh, no, those guys are just special, special people, and we really enjoy talking. <laughs> I really enjoy talking to them. I don't know if they enjoy talking to me or not, but well, I really enjoy yeah. talking to them. <laughs> it's all in the eyes of the beholder, Coach. That's right. uh, well, thanks so much for humoring us and Peyton. Uh, sure. I appreciate it. Good luck this weekend, as I said. Look forward to running into you sometime in the near future, and uh, safe travels, especially. 
Thanks, Dave. Talk soon. Absolutely. Take care. He Bye is now. Jason Zimmerman from Emory. Uh, we haven't had Emory on the show in a couple of years, which seemed odd to me. Maybe our archives are wrong. It's very likely, but I always enjoy talking to Jason Zimmerman. Should have him on more often. Uh, we're going to take a very quick break. We're behind schedule, but I got to do a quick thing behind the scenes. I accidentally hit stop on the simulcast on Facebook. It's the way it's set up. I hate it. The chat and the end broadcast thing should not be next to each other. Anyway, um, so your stream, you're going to see a brief break, and then it's going to come back. Don't worry. Stick with it if you're on YouTube. Stick with it. If you're listening to the podcast, just ignore 90% of what I'm saying because it really doesn't apply to you. Going to be uh, back in a moment. You're listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. A few technical gl glitches behind the scenes. This is why we need to get interns and production people and a lot of others. Uh, running the show by yourself is not as easy as it's made out to be. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Um, email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways you can get in touch with us. We hope you will uh, find a way to do it, interact with the show. We also apologize to those of you who may be back listening to us on YouTube. Uh, on uh, Facebook Live. Apologize for that. Jason says, between the weather and the early start time, how does the crowd and atmosphere at the York Yeshiva game on Friday? I'll talk about the York Yeshiva game coming up. I got a couple thoughts on it. Um, uh, you kind of hit on one of them. All right, so let's keep going. We're behind schedule. Uh, one of the other co uh, programs as we switch into women's basketball had a lot of high expectations all season this, this year. It has been Christopher Newport. Starting the top five in the preseason. Lost four games this season, including two to Marymount. Um, what do we expect? Well, they're back to the second round of the NCAA tournament. That's what we should expect. Uh, after losing two games late in the year, they beat Haverford and Randolph-Macon somewhat easily, at least in the Randolph-Macon game, to advance. 
Their reward is they're going to take on Hope at Hope. What does it all mean? Well, joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's their head coach, Bill Broderick. And, Coach, thanks once again for returning to the show, and, and congratulations. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, listen, expectations have been high all season. I saw you guys in, in the very first weekend, which is why I think for some reason I thought I had you on the show this year. Um, <laughs> I saw you early on. You had a pretty good team, though a little bit young. Um, you have had to go through injuries. Uh, the expectations put a nice large target on your back. Uh, and I have a feeling Thomas Moore game was maybe a little bit of a wake-up call. And then Marymount tripped you guys up twice this season. What kind of season was it from your vantage point? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think um, I think based on what we did last year, obviously the uh, expectations were pretty high coming uh, coming out of the gate, and um, and then just kind of those injuries started to roll, and so um, you know we were playing without you know three or four of our top six for a while, and and then we lost um, we lost our preseason All American for ten games in the middle of the season, and so. It's just kind of one of those things where, you know, we said, all right, we're not really going to worry about these expectations and really just try to, you know, continue to take it one game at a time. And so, you know, I'm I'm really, really happy about where we are. Um, you know, the goal, obviously, is always to be playing your best basketball at the end of the year. And, um, you know, we, we definitely um, had some tough losses uh, around that last week of the season. But um, I really, really like the way this group has responded. Um, we do have some good young players, but we also have a lot of veterans back as well. So I think that experience is really helping us and really helped us this past weekend uh, at Randolph-Macon uh, against two really good teams and uh, in front of just a, an electric crowd on Saturday. So just really, really proud of the ladies and, and what they've done so far. Yeah, you took on Bobby Morgan's squad in Haverford out of the Centennial, which has been a tough conference this year, beating by 13. And took on the Kelly Williams-led Randolph-Macon squad and, and beat them by nearly 30. Bill, did you understand who, who the sophomore was inside? And, and I'll be honest, how did, you, how did you guys beat them so successfully when they have such a scoring threat inside? And because of that, they can easily dump it outside for some scoring threats. Yeah, I mean, I think first, um, you know, Coach Morgan does an unbelievable job with their team, and we knew – um, you know, obviously that was going to be a um, really, really a contrast of styles, um, both of us being really good defensively, um, but, you know, them being more of a shutdown team in the half court uh, and us being a little bit more of tempo. And so uh, we knew we were going to have our hands full and uh, and they played us really down to the end. Um, you know, and, and I thought coming out um, for the Randolph-Macon game, I just thought we started off a little bit slower against Haverford the night before. You know, even though you've been there, you still some first-game jitters, and I think that was the same for us. But, um, you know, I think we had a little bit more experience in their team, even though they had some juniors and seniors. Uh, they hadn't quite been in the tournament for a while, and so I think we were able to really come out and, um, you know, and, and Kelly Williams, I mean, she's a phenomenal player. Um, and also Charlotte Woods, I mean, they've got two post players that average double-doubles. And so we knew we were going to have our, our hands full. And so, you know, we, we, tried to, we tried to just run a lot of different bodies um, at them and, and just really tried to play our game and switch a lot of defenses and do some different things. And so um, I think eventually we were able to wear them down a little bit and uh, use our depth 
and and kind of pull away for uh, for a pretty good win at the end. So you're moving on to the second weekend to a familiar uh, kind of setup here. You'll take on Hope, though Thomas Moore is kind of a part of the equation here. I kind of remember you, the, the this program maybe making its first initial splash under your leadership in a game that forced uh, some decisions to be made. I think they flew everybody to the West Coast because you were more than 500 miles from Thomas Moore. Um, I think Thomas Moore doesn't want to see you then. I'm surprised you played them this year. Uh, I say that tongue-in-cheek. What do you sure. ex- what do you do you expect? This is going to be a a I mean all four women's pods are going to be bruisers, but this one really is with Hope and Thomas Moore and yourselves, and this is going to be anything but easy. Yeah, you know, uh, looking at it, you know, you try to just uh, you know try to get out of that first weekend and not look ahead. Um, you know, but we knew, um, you know, once we got a chance to get through and Saturday evening, you kind of look at it and, you know, it was really pick your poison. You know, do you, you go to hope or do you go to, you know, you go to number four, or do you go to number three? And so, <laughs> I mean, it, it really, um, you know, it doesn't get easy either way, but I think at this point, uh, you know, there's only 16 teams left in the country playing. Uh, everybody is really good. You've got to play, you know, everybody eventually. And so, um, you know, I obviously would much rather be playing at Thomas More right now, just, uh, you know, try to have, at least have a neutral game for the first game. Um, but, um, you know, it is what it is. I think Cope was a uh, top team in their region. Uh, they've earned it. And um, so we know uh, we're going to have our hands full. You know, we, we faced them last year in the Sweet 16 uh, after they knocked off Thomas More. Uh, at their place, so this is this is kind of a rematch game, um, but you know I guess those happen sometimes. Yeah, especially in Division Three, where we only have so much. But also the top half of Division Three is so uh, loaded, as it were. Um, you're going to run into some really good games at some point. Hey, little note: um, the program now has 25 NCAA tournament victories. More than half, 13 of them. 13 of them have come under your tenure. What does that mean to you for the program that you have helped develop that now CNU women's basketball is not only in the national conversation, but we kind of expect you to make deep runs in the NCAA tournament too? Yeah, I think um, I think what that means uh, to me is that I've had, uh, I've had the pleasure of coaching a lot of good players. Um, I've had a lot of good assistant coaches. Um, and I think uh, we've had a lot of people on the same page. I think, you know, when we came in, um, you know, there was definitely a style and a direction that I wanted to go in, and I really found a great group of young ladies to to buy into what we were doing, even though it was a little unconventional, Um, some great coaches. Um, And I think the other thing is, you know, get a lot of good support from our administration, um, from our president, and so when you've got all those things, uh, you know, they, they make you look pretty good. <laughs> well, it's amazing that they bought in because you really play a, a very different style. How, how significant was the injury to Porter, and, and, and how did you guys able to uh, get around that? And, and have you become better as a result of that to some degree? Yeah, you know, I think the tough thing was, um, you know, the game after she went out, and, and with a lot of – people don't realize is because I know, you know, Sam gets a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the headlines for us, if any one person does. 
um, but also Anitra Thomas, who's one of our top shooters. Um, in the same game, you know, Sam broke her wrist and Anitra broke her nose. Oh. So we lost two of our top six players in one game. And then, of course, the next day you know, or two days later, we had to go to Marymount to play Marymount. And so um, now they played well and, and they definitely deserved, uh, you know, deserved to beat us. But um, it was definitely, you know, our first game and trying to figure things out a little bit, moving some people around. Um, but I, I agree with you where I definitely think it helped us to get better. I think uh, Micah Maloney, a sophomore for us, um, you know, was kind of forced into a role that she wasn't, um, you know, initially in. And she's just done, I mean, she's done an amazing job the second half of the season. Um, and then, you know, Madison Howdy Shell and Jasmine Bonneville uh, really got a chance to play a lot of minutes. And so I think what it's done is, you know, our depth has always been one of our strong points. And I think what it did was, you know, rather than going 12 or 13 deep, you know, now we go 14, 15 deep. And so it's really, really improved our depth and uh, has really given some good experience to some other players. I know this is part of synonymous with your team, but uh, to give everybody a sense of, of the uniqueness and how you go really deep and you're not a system team. But you score 77 points a game. You have one player in double figures. It's Sam, but she's barely there at 10.2. You play a whole host of players in a game. You rotate a ton, but it's really defensively minded, not offensively minded. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the things that I've realized in, uh, in my few years in coaching is that. You know, the defense and rebounding are the two things that you can really control um, every night. And so you can't control nights when they're going to go in and, um, you know, those things. So I really wanted to try to kind of base our style around defense and rebounding. Um, and then, you know, and realizing my first year, you know, we had some injuries and our depth was, you know, really, really bad. And, you know, I knew that if one person here or there went out, you know, we really would have been uh, in trouble. And so I think at this point, you know, I wanted to make sure that we were never in that situation and that, you know, if somebody gets hurt or someone decides not to play anymore or they transfer or whatever goes on, because, you know, what I didn't realize with, you know, most of my experience at the Division One level mm -hmm. um, before I came to CNU is, you know, you really just recruited the holes that you had. And so for me, that was really hard to get used to because, you know, you almost feel um, disloyal, you know, recruiting people in a position when you already have people there. And I, I learned very quickly that Division Three is very different and yes. that, you know, kids don't come back for different reasons, yeah. whether it be money or, you know, getting a job or whatever. And Great. so... <laughs> you know, you learn those things and try to be a little bit smarter each year. And so I really felt like if we could try to have where, you know, we at least can have that depth where if someone goes down, I think the other thing that people realize is, you know, there's really, I mean, Sam gets a lot of headlines, but we've, we've won games where, you know, she's had two points or three points. So we don't, we don't rely on any one person for scoring. Um, and, and I think the hardest thing was, is really finding young ladies that and, and players at all these days that buy into that um, because there's so many people that, you know, whether it's coming from their AU team and their high school team and, you know, everybody's all, you know, state or all conference or all something that, you know, they just have a hard time really putting that ego aside. And, you know, we try not to play anybody more than 25 minutes a game. 
We only had two players uh, average over 20 minutes at all in a game. Um, so, you know, it's, it's definitely uh, unique, um, but it's been successful for us, and, and kids have really bought into it. And, um, you know, when you recruit to it, I think it's helped us to be pretty, uh, pretty effective. Uh, earlier last or earlier in the week, um, Marymount, along with six other schools, announced finally nine months after we broke the story that they were leaving for the Atlantic East Conference. Uh, you did lose two or three this year. You're not going to miss Marymount, are you? Um, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, you say that, but I think um, you'll you miss know, the I competition. We, we will absolutely will miss the competition. You know, there. I think the other thing is is. You know, we're kind of out here on the beach. So when you're out here on the beach, there's, you know, there are not too many teams that are close. So, yeah, yeah. you know, they're within three hours. And, um, you know, and they've, so they've been a good rival. Um, they, do, they do a great job. Uh, you know, I knew Coach Finney many, many years ago mm-hmm. um, and, and really started that program. And, and you know, they've just been a, a powerhouse ever since. And so, you know, I think we'll definitely miss the competition. Um, I think as a conference, you know, we'll miss that strength of schedule. Um, you know, knowing that, <clears throat> you know, in the past we've had at least three. You know, this year we had two, but we've had three. And, you know, I was telling teams you look at last year, Marymount finished third in our league, but still ended up in the Sweet 16. And so, you know, that just really shows the strength. And, you know, so we'll add for this first year, I mean, we'll have eight teams for probably the next two years. And then, um, you know, we're hoping to add two, three, four more teams. But, um, you know, we'll add some other we'll add some other tough teams as well. We've already scheduled um, for next year. We're, we're going to play Emory and Henry. We're going to play Lynchburg. We're going to play Randolph-Macon. Um, so we're talking with Messiah. So, you know, we're going to try to really uh, find and, and schedule as tough as we can um, for next year, even though we will lose seven seniors and we'll be, we'll be extremely young. Uh, but at least they'll be battle-tested before we get to the conference. A uh, friend you probably know, Ronk, says uh, he uh, sends his best wishes to uh, Jace. I can't say her last name. Uh, DeGeel. DeGeel, Really? Yeah. I'd never I wasn't even on that road. D U G U I L H and it's Deguil. That's fat. I love it. But that's yep. that one's going to remember. Um yep. he at least says congratulations to you guys. I know he's in the ear of a lot of you, but uh, I know you also end up getting pretty good talent out of Runk's uh, work. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, uh, coach, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. As always, as you give the coach the final word, any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, yeah, you know, David, just really want to thank uh, you and your staff uh, for all you do for Division Three um, sports and especially, obviously, um, for Division Three women's basketball. Um, and really just wish, uh, you know, wish everybody the best of luck in the uh, Sweet 16 and that we have, uh, have some great games and really show and highlight uh, all that we've got at uh, Division Three women's basketball. Terrific. Uh, well said. Congratulations again, but good luck this weekend and hope. We're looking forward to seeing the games out there, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Thanks again. Dude. Absolutely. Bill Broderick joining us from Christopher Newport. And the, lady, uh, the captains, I should say, playing very well. Uh, ladies are uh, not off to, but we're at a 25-4 and four mark here. We'll take on Hope, who's also having a pretty darn good season at 28-1. and one. Uh, All the games at this point are good. That weekend out at Hope should be really good. Fascinating to see how it all works out. 
Uh, we're going to take another break. Uh, we're supposed to talk to Gustavus Adolphus' head coach, but we're having trouble finding out the contact information, to be honest. So we're going to punt and talk to Carla Barubi from Tufts, and in the meantime, work to find the contact information to get Coach Kelly on the show. Um, hope you can follow along. It's one of those nights. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios when we return. Carla Barubi from Tufts will be back with more after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening. Some technical glitches tonight. We've just been having moments. We've, we've flopped coaches at MIT before Emory when we were supposed to go the other way around. Uh, we accidentally stopped the simulcast early tonight, and now uh, we're trying to find a, get a hold of one of our coaches. We were going to talk to Gustavus head coach, Coach Kelly, here in this segment, a little bit late as we've been moving along, but we were having trouble getting a hold of her. It's it's more on my end. Don't don't take it as as a slight that we're having trouble and that's on their end. Don't, don't worry. Uh, but we are going to try and get her on the other side of things. In the meantime, we're going to talk to Tufts women's coach Carla Barubi. We talked to them in the preseason when they were the preseason number one team. Uh, interesting season for the Jumbos. Of course, ran into Amherst twice and lost two huge battles with them, but also lost to Albright uh, in a surprise right around Christmas and then lost to Bowden on the other side of the new year. Maybe not as, uh, well, 
I don't know what it means. Uh, certainly the NESCAC got better, but joining us on the City of Salem Hoops Hotline to hopefully put it all together for us is head coach Carlo Berube. And coach, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. 25-4, and four, your preseason number one. I wouldn't say you had a bad season by any stretch of the imagination, but you certainly maybe didn't have the, the season you probably had drawn up in your head. Is that a fair way of saying it, or did we miss something? Um, I'm not sure I, I drew up uh, the number one ranking to start the season. Um, Fair. You, you, you and your friends drew that up. Um, but I, uh, you know, I think we had a lot of, of work to do. Um, you know, I think I said it on our call in, in November that, you know, we had to kind of reinvent ourselves a little bit from having, you know, a 6-2 center for the last six, you know, six years from Haley Canner and Michaela North and, um, you know, and just kind of figure out who we were and, and um, you know, put some things together and develop a, a chemistry on the court and developing that chemistry off the court. And, um, you know, I think we've just been, been building the whole way and, um, yeah, a few losses along the way, but, um, but here we are in the, in the sweet 16. So I can't, you know, I can't um, be too mad about those. No, no, you can't, especially when you get to, to host the opening weekend of the tournament as well uh, and beat Westfield State and then Ithaca and somewhat handily in both. Though so you got a great uh, tournament ahead of you here. you got Messiah coming up on the 9th in, on Friday's game, and you'll be playing them, uh, was it, at Scranton, if memory serves, um, yep. and with Bowden on the other side of that. Uh, let me go and go backwards a little bit here. Listen, the Amherst games, they lived up to what we all expected, though I think maybe the, the February 2nd game was a little higher scoring than we all expected. <laughs> Uh, the championship game was right about what we all thought that might one would play to. But earlier in the season, Albright got you guys 62-59 on the other side of the of the holiday break for you guys. And then Bowden caught you about a week later. Was that a little bit of the you know the, the holiday slumber, as it were, and getting the legs back under you? All, granted, good teams nonetheless, but what, yeah. what, what might have happened there? Well, Albright is a very talented team, and... Um, you know, they, I thought they played very well, and um, and I, you know, we had a three-week hiatus, but I, I don't consider that a, an excuse. I think they just um, outplayed us, and um, and then going up to to Bowdoin, um, that's a, a really uh, difficult place to play against an extremely talented um, team, and um, you know, Coach Scheibels does a, a tremendous job with them, and um, you know, so those those were just two really good teams that we came up against. And, you know, I think we were still figuring out who, who we were. And, um, you know, I think we played some pretty undisciplined basketball in that time frame, um, a lot of fouling. And, um, but I think we've, we've grown a lot from, from that time. And um, we've run a lot of shell drill to, <laughs> to, to, to clean that up. Um, so, you know, and, and those Amherst battles are, just Amherst battles so um you know I feel like it's yeah. always going to happen and um but but I think we you know we came out of both of those games um knowing that you know we're right there you know with them and with the number one team in the country were you surprised that Bowden got into the mix like they did they, they had a great start the season but I think a lot of us thought okay about midway through the season they're going to get into NESCAC play and this equation is going to change but if anything they got even better. Were you were you in the NESCAC surprised at what Coach Scheibel's team was able to put together this season, or or do you kind of see this one coming? Yeah, not 
not not surprised at all. I mean, you saw that you know they they knocked off the, the Tommies at the beginning of the season, yeah. and um, you know they just have a deep, talented team, and um, they play really hard. Um, they they defend and they press and they and they can really score the basketball. So um, it wasn't surprising. Um, you know they've always been at the top of the the NESCAC since you know, since I started in the NESCAC and, um, and, and, you know, before that, um, that's a storied program. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, not, not surprising at all. Talking about your team, of course, uh, we, we knew you were going to have a good unit. Uh, we knew it was going to be defensively minded, uh, and we knew it was going to circle and, and basically go through Melissa Baptista, 13 points a game, six and a half rebounds a game. Um, even a steal and a half a game to go along with nearly two blocks a game. We know that she's the bread and butter, as it were, to this. But there's so many other contributors to this team. You're, we just got talking, done talking to Coach Broderick uh, at CNU. They score 77-some-odd points a game. They have one player who's barely in double figures. You guys score 66 points a game. you got three players in double figures, uh, and plus others who are contributing. It's not just the Baptista show. No, it's it's definitely not. Um, you know, I, I think we are pretty pretty balanced, and um, and we don't go as deep as as, as CNU, but um, you know, we have some good contributors off the bench. Our our leading scorer on Friday night was a uh, was a guard off the bench. So, um, you know, Melissa is you know she she definitely um, you know there's a lot of attention uh, towards Melissa in, in games. So I think it, it you know it opens up. Um, you know, some scoring opportunities for others. Um, I think Erica DeCandido has really stepped up um, her game um, from freshman year to, to now her sophomore year. Um, she was actually out five games um, during the NESCAC season. Um, and so that, that hurt us a little bit, um, but she's back now and, and playing playing really well. And, um, yeah, Jack Jack Knapp's done an, a terrific job for us and, and Lauren Dillon, our, 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 our point guard and, and leader and, um, you know, just other players stepped up, uh, you know, freshman starts for us, mm-hmm. Emily Briggs. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's pretty balanced. I don't think you can just focus on one or two of our, of our players. Um, you know, someone else is going to, is going to step up. You're sitting again, going to be heading out to Scranton. If memory serves, you've gone down this road before. Am I correct? I think I remember a trip to Scranton a few years ago, kind of worked out well. Yeah, just a couple of years ago, we were we were down there. Um, so so we know that 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 area in, in the gym, and um, you know we came came away from Scranton, um, heading to the to the Final Four. Um, but it's a it's a tough place to play. They get an incredible crowd, and um, but you know we're we're taking on Messiah um, to start. And and how about those three programs, Messiah, mm. Scranton, and Bowdoin? Uh, there's a lot of of great history um, yeah. with those programs so um it's a it's a great pod and um we're just really excited to be to be heading there in a couple of days yeah that really is uh, an historic pod to say the least and another one hope christopher newport thomas moore not too bad of course amherst yeah. is on the other side of this but again messiah Bowden, and scranton you know this is not not that they're ever easy i don't want anybody to assume that but it is really going to be a tough test what's going to be uh, the secret or at least the the key for you guys to make sure to get through this weekend is it going to be is it going to be the defense is it going to be maybe the offense or is it even as something as 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 maybe off the wall as injuries or or lack thereof 
Um, I think it's it, for us, it's always the, the defense and, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, and we've got a lot of work to do my staff and myself of just, you know, watching film and, and getting prepared. Luckily, um, you know, we're going to work on Messiah, but you need to be prepared for, for all three teams. And, and we know Bowden pretty well, so we don't have to work, you know, too hard on, on that. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, you know, us staying true to, to who we are. We're not going to, you know, play outside of ourselves. We're going to hopefully, you know, defend for 40 minutes and, um, and hopefully our, you know, our defense fuels our offense and, um, you know, we have players that'll, that'll make plays and, um, you know, just looking forward to the, the opportunity to, to play again and, and hopefully, um, you know, play the, some of the best basketball of our, our season. That's what your, your goal is to be, you know, playing at the, at the highest level right now. I know you'd love to be playing at home for a lot of reasons, familiarity with the with the uh, your room, the bed you're sleeping in, um, not having to worry about particulars like getting on a bus just to go get a meal or whatever the case may be. However, is there an advantage ever of going on the road at the same time, especially when the pressure is high? Yeah, I think it, it's it's great. You're you're together the the whole time, and um, you know, and there's not a lot of you know outside distractions um and you know it's it's tough you know i'm a mother of two so it's tough being away from from the family but um but then it's you know it's it's just being with the team and and just focusing on um you know the task at at hand um i'm sure the team will be um studying a lot and i've got to proctor uh, some exams but um <laughs> but but it is it is fun to to be on the road and to um, and to, at a place like at Scranton too, where they do a Dave Martin does a tremendous job with um, with the, the tournament there. So um, just just looking forward to to being being together. You didn't need to give Dave Martin a shout out. I mean, he didn't. Love Dave Martin. Yeah, we didn't need to do that. <laughs> now now I'm gonna get a text from him saying, "See," and now I'm gonna have to deal with Dave. No, I kid. I, I, Dave Martin's a great guy for Division Three. I, I agree with yeah. you entirely. And of course, Trevor Woodworth and the Scranton squad. But that's not your first deal. It is Messiah. Quickly before we let you go, your thoughts on Messiah? What have you seen? If you've seen anything, I don't blame you if you've take, given yourself a 24 hour break. Sundays are for the family, Dave. So I that's really why I have it. <laughs> but that's why I have really great assistant coaches who I'm sure have been watching um, a lot of film. I know they're they're strong. I know they have some great um, inside inside play. And um, you know, we played them back in in 2008 when we first we made our first run in the NCAA tournament, um, and they beat us in the in the Elite Eight down there. Um, so it's 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 exciting to be to be playing them again. Well, I wish you luck. Um, it's certainly been a fascinating season. Um, I almost feel like you've, as a result, kind of flown onto the radar a little bit. Not that that's a bad thing necessarily. Okay, yeah. Um, we appreciate you taking the time to join us and chat with us. And by the way, I don't vote on the women's poll, just, just for the record. But I probably <laughs> would have put you number one, too, so I'll take the blame. Um, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts yeah. you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, um, just a shout-out to the to my good friend Sonia Rahman and the MIT women's basketball team that won the NUMAC um, championship this year for the first time ever. Um, and, uh, and again, Dave, I always, you know, I, I'm, we're very, very appreciative of all the, um, the work you do um, putting, you know, D3 women and men on the map and, um, 
and it's it's great how many you know actually division one coaches um you know you know contact me just reading about d3 hoops and and hearing from you so um it's out there and people people um you know really listen and and um appreciate it well thank you that's nice to hear mm-hmm. I appreciate it, especially the D1 side. That'll that'll catch yeah. you off guard a little bit every once in a while. Uh, enjoyed seeing you when we were in Indy. I hope to see you sometime in the near future. Enjoy the trip to Scranton. Maybe it'll get you away from the storm. Yeah, I know you guys had to deal with one there <laughs> just the other day. Oof, yeah, wind. yeah. You, I hope you're okay. <laughs> I hope everybody in your area is okay with after that one. Um, we're all okay. Good. Uh, thanks again for your time. Good luck. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Carla Barubi joining us from Tufts. 25 and four taking on that also tough Messiah squad. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a great pod. Is it not? Yeah. I know we could always talk about, Oh gee, it's too bad. They're playing at such and such. Listen, the women's the top of the women's game has gotten deeper. And so we got good teams now far deeper uh, in the rankings as it were, or in the tournament, but look at that, the Scranton history, the Bowden history, the Messiah history and the Tufts history all there in Scranton. If you are anywhere near Scranton or just feel like making a trip of it, please go to Scranton, see some basketball. I'll also say go to Waverly, Iowa to see Wartburg Trine, ETBU St. Thomas. Go to Holland, Michigan, see Hope Christopher Newport, Thomas Morgus Davis. Or go to Amherst, see Amherst Montclair. That should be a great game. And Rochester, Rochester Tech. That's just unfortunate. But these are good games, uh, and I encourage you to go out there and see them. All right, we're making a last-ditch effort to try and get Gustavus head coach Lori Kelly on the show. Uh this happens from time to time uh, when teams are traveling and I'm solo. We just didn't get the confirmation information as to where she is. We will fight for it. Even if it means as we're wrapping up the show, I see it and we go to it as soon as we can. We will find a way to get Gustavus' head coach on the show. If we don't, we will find a way to get her on the show at a later date. Uh, we will take a break when we come back. Uh, thoughts on Yeshiva. Uh, they're multi-pronged on Yeshiva, by the way. Um, if I can remember them all, I'm literally writing down, um, one note and then other note. Um, we'll talk about Yeshiva. We'll talk about the tournaments and we'll talk about plenty of others and answer any last minute questions you may have for us. Daryl Duncan says, great show. Any upsets in the sweet 16 weekend on the men's side? I can talk about it and we'll see what might come of it. You listen to Hoops Show presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoops will after this. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. 
From eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, and I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you're primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else... I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State. Won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. Now we're going to cut the commercial off. We were running a little long because we got Coach Kelly. We were trying to set up 
some things to get her on, but it didn't work. But you know what? We've got her anyway. It all works out. Sometimes that's the fun of all this, folks. Um, we've got Coach Kelly. We'll tweet out the fact we have her. Sorry for the long break. But, geez, if, you're, if you listen to normal talk radio show, the break I just gave you is shorter than they normally handle. So I hope you, I hope you aren't complaining too much. All right, so listen, the, the gusties of women's basketball. Um, the Davis Adolphus had a tremendous season. I got a ton of questions from some fans going, hey, are they going to make the tournament? And I was a little nervous. I'll be, I'll be honest. I didn't know if they'd make the tournament as an at-large, but they got all the way to the championship game, lost to St. Thomas. That was huge. Then they defeated Rolls-Holman, who I thought was a darn good team this season, handed them their fourth loss of the year. Then they upset Whitewater by 14. They're on to the tournament. Their reward, they get to take on Thomas Moore. But right now, I don't think Coach Kelly cares about that. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is Coach Kelly from Gustavus Adolphus. And, Coach, welcome to the show. Congratulations, and welcome to the Sweet 16 as well. Uh, thank you. We're, I'm glad to be here, let me tell you. <laughs> I understand entirely for a lot of reasons. Uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your night, too. I know it, there's a family thing going on, so I appreciate it. Um, first and foremost... You guys had a heck of a season, but you were buried a little bit by St. Thomas and Bethel and everything else going on in the MIAA. But you make the right run at the right time, build your resume, look where you are, you get the chance in the tournament, and and heck of a first-round win just for starters. Thanks. I mean, you know, I feel like coming from the NCAA tournament last year, um, our schedule wasn't as strong, although we had more wins. Uh, we didn't play as good a competition as we did this year. And with as many returners as we had coming back, really felt that we needed to put ourselves in a situation to play some stronger opponents. So, ironically, we had gone down to Wartburg and played with Superior and ourselves and Whitewater. Yeah. And here we fast forward to March, and there the three of us are with Rose Holman back together again in the first and second <laughs> round of the tournament. <laughs> yeah, deja vu all over again. Yeah, you know, I, I think like every team, like we have, you have your ups and downs throughout the season. You know, that two-point loss at Bethel was not a great performance for us. And, um, you know, that was a tough loss for us to take. And, um, you know, we've been in it with St. Thomas back and forth, but haven't been able to, you know, to knock them off. So I think the MIC, the MIAC being as strong as it was, you know, you think about it, in our last two and a half weeks, we played St. Thomas, who's nationally ranked. We played um, St. Ben's twice, who's nationally ranked. We played Rose Holman, who's nationally ranked. And now we just played Whitewater, who is number one in the region and nationally ranked. So in the last two and a half weeks, we've played five nationally ranked teams. And I thought that was a huge advantage for us going against Rose Holman, who really hadn't played anybody at that caliber since December. And, yeah. you know, so I think it really helped prepare us for what we saw this weekend in two quality in teams like Rose Holman and, and for sure for Whitewater. Yeah, definitely. I, I think you got something there. And to some extent, the HCAC hasn't been the most uh, competitive conference necessarily. Uh, it's been good, but it hasn't been as good as maybe preparing them. And you did. You have the MIAA, MIAA, MIAC that has been certainly challenging um, for, on a long ways. And, whilst, and that's why I said I thought the St. Thomas going undefeated was more impressive than anything because – there were losses to be had in that conference this year. Yeah, I mean, credit to them. You know, I mean, they played Augsburg, and Augsburg, I mean, it's crazy. Augsburg's up three with the ball and, you know, 20 seconds to go. I mean, they were in a situation that it was, you know, anybody would have put their money on, 
you know, they're at the free throw line shooting true free throws, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, Augsburg's going to get that win. And, you know, things just fell the wrong way and ended up hitting a three with two seconds to go. Um, with .3 seconds to go, St. Thomas ends up winning it in overtime. So it's a credit to Ruth and, and her program. Um, you know, when you've had that kind of success, I think you kind of walk into every game really feeling confident and um, composed and thinking that, you know, you can do it. And, um, you know, to have two MIAC teams left in the last 16, is yeah. it's a credit to our league, and I think it says a lot about the people that we play week in and week out, and it's great representation uh, of what we feel like our league can offer. Did you feel pressure going into that last week, though, that you needed to do something to better your regional ranking position? Because admittedly, you were kind of low in the rankings, and I was worried you were going to get stuck behind a couple of teams and never get to the table. I felt like you needed to get to that championship game to some degree and some other help. Yeah, you know, and you know, I'll be honest. I look at our, I mean, I look at our resume, and I say, you know what? We went on the road and um, played really good teams. We've lost to St. Thomas, who's in the top ten in the country, and we lost to Warburg on a neutral court, um, or by, uh, excuse me, lost to Whitewater in, in December on a neutral court. You know, I think the Bethel lost by two at their place, but then turned around and, and beat them by double-digit figures later. I thought, and then even the Bens. I mean, it's a it's a three-point game with two minutes to go. We hadn't lost at St. Bens in five years. And, um, you know, everyone was saying that, you know, we might be out. And, you know, we came back up in the playoffs and we started really – I think we've just been fortunate to start playing really good basketball at just the right time because I believe the Whitewater was our best team win that we've had. Our team is playing really confident. We're playing strong defensively. And I feel like we're just fortunate and very lucky to be playing good basketball at a time that you're really hoping to do that. And, you know, being a player that has won a national championship in Division Three. Looking at my college coach, who I respect a lot, um, he said, you know, the best team doesn't always win. It takes it takes some luck. The other best advice I got is no matter what you do, enjoy the journey. Like, you know, and right now it's icing on the cake. I mean, we wanted to, win, to make the tournament. We made the tournament. Then we really wanted to win a game. We hadn't been successful. We've only won one of six games in our, in our program in the NSA tournament. We wanted to break through and get that win. We got the first road win ever in the history of our program in the NCAA tournament. So then when we went into Whitewater, it was kind of like, hey, let's see what we can do. And it was a great game. It was a quality opponent. They're a great program. And we feel just fortunate to have played a really good game that night. And here we are still dancing. Well, you are still dancing. You're on to the Sweet 16, uh, yeah. if you hadn't gotten the memo yet. <laughs> uh, just in case, I, I figured I'd announce it for you. Uh, Thank and, you. And, and you're no problem. And I know you're traveling, so I figured I'd also let you know you're headed to Holland, Michigan. Uh, yeah, things you already knew. We know a pretty that. nice, you know, a pretty nice facility over there. So I'm yeah, really looking not, forward to getting yeah, up there. Not too shabby. It's okay. Yeah. You know, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, of course, you'll take on Thomas More. Yeah. You know Thomas More. Everyone knows Thomas More. Yeah. Um, what do you make of it? I mean, I get to some degree from you guys. It's like, yeah, just another opponent. We've, we've been down this road at the same time. You're now, and, and I don't want to say you don't deserve to be there or anything like that. Just don't take it the wrong way. But I mean, it's, no, you're now in the big boy league as it is. You know, yeah. we're, we're now at the level where everybody is darn good. They are, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I, you know, I, you watch the, the. I, you know, I love college basketball, men and women. And um, when I'm not watching my opponents I, I, or my team, I'm watching other people. And um, it's fun. This is the time of March. That this is the. I, I said to my team that when you're five and six and seven and eight years old and you're starting to play for the first time and you're out in your backyard and you're pretending that last free throw or that last shot is to win the big game. I mean, these are the moments. October 15th, when everybody stepped on the court. 97% of all those people are not doing that 
that anymore. And we are fortunate to get to do that on Monday. And I think that you have to look and say, Everyone is good, but it, if you played somebody a hundred times that could only win once, it just needs to be that night, and that's the fun of college March basketball. Um, Thomas Moore is a phenomenal team. I mean, their, their history, their program, I mean, they score a lot of points, but we, we just have to play for 40 minutes, and um, I think that we're in a good place just feeling that we're happy where we're at, we're enjoying this journey, and we're going to play the best basketball game we can, and if that's good enough to move us on, um, we're excited about that, and if it's not, then you know we're going to feel uh, very fortunate for what we were able to accomplish, accomplish this season. Well, I mean, you can build from this no matter what happens on Friday yeah. or whatever happens on Saturday. Or mm-hmm. heck, if you're lucky enough to get to the – you still can build on this. The yeah. MIAA has been building for a couple of years. This used to be the St. Thomas show. Uh, we yeah. didn't talk about anybody else in the conference. I think it was uh, maybe two years ago, but especially last year, we started talking about the depth. You guys are part of that now, and, and I'm assuming you're noticing it in recruiting, and, and the conversations have probably changed as well. Well, yeah, I mean, if there's any D1 prospects out there that are looking to come to D3, I mean, we would love to have them to look at St. Peter, Minnesota. But, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's fun. I mean, I'll be honest, like you, every player dreams. I'm a kid from Rochester, Minnesota. The Final Four is in Mayo Civic, where my high school career ended. Wow. I've played game after game in there. Um, I'm from there. My family's from there. Mayo the Center, Coach. Of, Mayo Center. Yeah. You, you walk into Mayo Civic, and, or is that what it's called? Mayo Center now. You I'm walk in you. there, <laughs> and you know, the thought, I mean, I was there for a Christmas tournament. I was sitting there with my mom and dad and my family watching my daughter, who's a ninth grader on the high school team, playing in the Christmas tournament. And I thought to myself, could you imagine mm. a team from Minnesota with all these southern Minnesota kids, what you would be like to walk in here and, and be in a Final Four. And, you know, that dream for us is still alive. I mean, it, it, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you still get to think every day now that that's still a possibility. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the really fun part right now with with the team. It's really a shame that you guys aren't having any fun whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, you know, we, you got to have moments like this because it's long hours and long days and you're away from your family yeah. a lot. And, you know, it just it takes a moment to just really feel how fortunate you are and be grateful for each other. And, um, yeah, it puts you in a really good, balanced frame of mind, I think. Yeah, I, I can see it. I sense it. And I, and I see success usually when, when that kind of uh, setup, as it were, is in play. You've got three seniors on this squad. Um, but you're really young, I would argue. A, a yeah. ton of freshmen. Um, yes, a, a good chunk of juniors as well, um, which I know can make a difference. You're led by Miranda Rice, uh, a senior, of course, yeah. appropriately enough, and Michaela Miller uh, in double figures. Of course, she's one of your seniors. Both of them, 17.1 and 16.7 rep- respectively. Kendall Thompson and Just, uh, Justine Lee, both at nine points a game. Um, also should point out, uh, both Rice and Miller averaging six plus rebounds. Again. I spoke wrong. Oh no, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm looking at two different stat sheets here. Um, 6.6 and 4.8 rebounds for Rice and Miller. Obviously they're the, they're the two. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're the, they're the beast of it is of it all. But yeah. again, you're young, you're getting contributions from them. It's more than those two as well. Yeah, I mean, Ava Gonzarowski is uh, was the rookie of the year. She's been our starting point guard for, you know, the last 20 games probably. And, um, I mean, you know, people we talk, hear people talk about your big dogs. I mean, you, you have to have – you have to build your program around somebody, you know. And um, when you have an inside-outside presence like Michaela and Miranda, it's nice when one of those players is struggling, you kind of have someone else to go to. And I think that – 
you know, advice someone told me is you're supposed to always get, if you could sign a couple kids you're not supposed to have on your team and build them with really good support people, that's how you build a really good successful Division three program. And, you know, we've been able to do that, I think, with Michaela and Miranda. They've been playing since their freshman year. Um, they've been starting since their freshman year. And, you know, Miranda has, has played in more basketball games at Gustavus than any woman in the wow. history of our women's basketball program. Wow. Um, Michaela Miller scored um, 21 or what, 20, whatever points she scored on yesterday. She became the all-time scorer, men or women, in the history of Gustavus. I mean, they have left their, pro, their, their mark on our program and our college, and um, we feel very fortunate. And, and um, it's been those two people with the support of those juniors and the learning of these incoming freshmen to hopefully take over and help continue to build our program to really get us where we are. And um, it, you just don't replace those players when they leave typically right away. And um, it's a great challenge to, for our underclassmen and our returners to really see what you have to do. Miranda Rice is one of the hardest working players I have ever coached. She wasn't highly recruited. Um, she was somebody that gets in the gym every summer and she lifts and trains. And to see someone really commit like a gym rat the way she has and have the success she has this year as a coach, it's just you, you, you wish so much for that success. And her hard work is definitely paying off yeah the fact that she's played in more games that's that's mind-boggling to me to some yeah. degree but it also shows how much postseason uh is important and how many postseason games you played that being said you've also added uh games but still it's it's certainly significant um what do you expect this weekend i i know thomas moore is a tough team we talked a little bit about it already but what, what do you expect yeah. i know you probably haven't looked at that much tape though oh i i had some film up on about one o'clock this morning, it says you couldn't sleep at the hotel. Um, you know, I just, you know, I guess you're gonna sleep when it's over. Um, they're, I mean, they're good. They're they're really good. They score. I mean, I, you look at statistically, I and mean, they shoot the ball really, really well. And um, you know, they're led by a, a very good basketball player as a six foot guard forward. And um, you know, I, like I said, I, you know, we'll look at more about them. They score a lot of points. They shoot it really well. Um, for us, we're just gonna we're just gonna do what we do best. I think that's you. You have to come into the game. You're not going to reinvent the wheel in two days. Um, you've, you've built your program. You've kind of built what your fundamentals are and what your foundation is offensively and defensively, and you're going to go in with the best game plan to try to play your best basketball, and you're going to make a team beat you. I think that's, that's your, you know, can you walk off the gym at the end of the day, regardless of what the score is, and A, can you say, I gave everything I could give? And B, you walk off the floor saying, we just got – we got beat, like someone someone beat us, rather than say, gosh, we'd, I wish we would have played better, or gosh, if we would have played gusty basketball, could we have won that game? I mean, you just, you want to be proud of the fact that you gave everything you got, you played your best you could play, and if somebody just has your number that day, then that's what competition's about. It means somebody, unfortunately, has to go home. And, you know, you're reminded of that when you're standing outside the locker rooms and you see those Whitewater seniors who've had a phenomenal career over the last four years, making it to two Final Fours, and you see the heartbreak in those eyes. And even though they're not your players, it, your heart breaks. I mean, it's it's something that's part of your life for so long. And when it's all over, you know, I, it's been a long time since I had shoes on and and stepped on a floor, but I remember it like you know, like yesterday when it's you walk off that floor the last time with your teammates, and um, so it makes you just more grateful for the opportunity that you have this week. And this week we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna enjoy it, and we're gonna work hard, and we're gonna try to come up with a good game plan, and we're gonna show up on Friday the best prepared we can, and and just let the chips fall where they may. Um, coach, I, I've seen video. 
you're stepping on the floor a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, uh, you're there. I haven't seen you behind the bench. <laughs> oh, that's true. That is true. I have to say, a couple times I get warned about that new <laughs> extended line. Coach, Come coach, on. Coach. Why <laughs> should any of you be warned about the new line? Well, you know what? It's like anything. You always want a little oh, bit more. Oh, stop when it. When they increase the speed limit from 60 to 65, <laughs> when we were all going 65, now we all go 70. So it's like you always take that extra inch. And so, you know, yeah. if you take a step back, you're all right. Yeah. You're just the rest of us who are broadcasting, public address announcing or whatever, are just going to throw <laughs> things at you from now on. I actually clicked my mic off on a few coaches I knew well and said, hey, coach, get out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> well, trying to be conscious of you know in the end so you know i think when you show up for the game i said this to our, our sid at, at the game i said you know at this point are you ready uh, yeah i mean you you at this point you've done everything you yeah. think you can do now you're going to sit back and you're going to kind of try to enjoy the show and and make it be a really positive experience and like i said it's icing on the cake that's kind of how i feel like we probably are the lowest ranked i mean we think of rankings and things yeah i said to the team we're probably the lowest ranked team left and um yeah, yeah maybe yeah. I, you know what at this point it's just one game we're 80 minutes away from a final four like you think about it in that term it's yeah. like 80 minutes of basketball and yeah. you could be one of four so that's a fair point uh good point uh by the way i've never seen a coach who just sits back and enjoys the game while yeah, that is true come that on that is true <laughs> you know what the only time you sit back and enjoy it is when it's on when it's on synergy and you already know the outcome yeah there you go right and i don't think you know i would argue you're still not enjoying it but that's beside the point <laughs> Uh, my husband would tell you that I don't ever really – coaches never really ever watch a game. And no. we realize that even when my daughter is now playing for the first time at varsity level, <laughs> it's the coach in you just doesn't seem to go away. But It's like me. Uh, my wife goes crazy because I can't watch anything on television without my brain going crazy with the production. Yes. I Why did that. they I, do I, I that? I you. And I hear the wife go, can you stop, please? Please. The sad well, part I is she's be- starting to do it now, too. <laughs> I have to say, like now that I have a daughter that plays, I, you know, and someday I hope she plays for me. So I oh, I don't know. To, I have to be careful not to be. I have to be that really supportive mom and not be too crazy as a coach, so she doesn't pick another school. I tell her. Yeah, there you go. Well, I promised my kids they don't know this yet. I will never be that parent um, because I've been a coach myself, youth level. I will probably be coaching them at the youth level at some point. I can't teach them this young. I can't. <laughs> I, I I can't do fundamentals. I can do strategy. But my well, point being is. I'm not going to be those parents. Those parents drive me insane, and I'd rather enjoy the game and keep my mouth shut than anything else. So, That's good advice. Yeah. You know what? My, coach, my college coach said when you sit in the stands, you cheer. Yes. And two, you keep your mouth shut. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and by the way, another little tidbit I always tell crowds. If the coach and the player aren't complaining about the call, stop it. Not the truth. Yeah. Anyway, Coach, I could talk to you forever, and I'm glad we finally got you on the show despite all our challenges. It was wonderful to chat. Um, Thanks, Dave. Congratulations on a tremendous season. I will. Before we ask you the the, the ask, actual final question, the penultimate one is, tell me how sweet it was to beat Whitewater after they gave you a loss earlier this season. It was my by far my greatest experience in my six years I've been at Gustavus. And I think the overwhelming – it's almost – you're almost – the emotion that you feel is is almost speechless as those kids go running from the bench uh-huh. and are piled on each other on the floor. When I see it on the film, I just all that hard work, all that commitment, all the sacrifice, and and I think for anything, I just I want every kid that's out there playing basketball 
to have that experience. And I know that doesn't happen. And again, going back to a, a player that got to win it all and having that be such a significant moment in my life as a young adult, I just yearn for my, my, my student athletes to have that opportunity. And, and I know it doesn't happen. So when they, the feeling I had was more of one, just rejoice that they get to have that feeling. Um, and now just, it almost makes you hungry to think, gosh, if you just, could you get one more in you to see if you could have that happen again? And um, I think that's the the part that you just, it almost becomes contagious or that drive to like want it again. Um, it's addictive. And so um, we're going to just enjoy today. And then tomorrow we're going to go to work and get ready to, to make a great trip to Michigan and hopefully give Thomas Moore a great basketball game. Excellent. I- I'm ready to play. Uh, when do you need me to show? Oh, wait, that's not going to yeah. work. On a whole host of reasons, that's not going to work. Coach, thanks again for taking the time to join us. Really appreciate it. I appreciate the effort as well. Um, We always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share those who are tuning in? First of all, all those people out there that support Division Three, thank you. People mm-hmm. like you that 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 make our student athletes feel special. Um, that's important. You know, we're not on national TV and we're not cutting nets down in front of you know thousands and thousands of people. But these student athletes sacrifice and work very, very hard. And as a former D3 athlete and someone that is around unbelievable, high quality character kids, um, thank you for people that support Division Three because they are remarkable young men and women. And I just feel very fortunate to be able to be part of this community well said uh thank you for your time good luck this weekend win or lose we look forward to talking to you down the road sometime and seeing how the gusties do thanks again dave absolutely take care bye is Lori kelly joining us on the city of salem hoopsville hotline appreciate her taking the time to join us if she's apparently we killed the mic i hope we didn't lose the whole interview Oh, I killed it after the interview. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. Oh, let's go back through that, shall we? All right. So on the women's side, the bracket. Someone asked me about it. Uh, my thoughts on the women's side of the bracket are this: uh, Amherst Montclair State is going to be a fascinating game. Amherst didn't play as well against St. Joseph as I expected them to. Uh, Montclair State um, is a team that uh, is playing better than I think I had realized they would be playing. Their win over Gettysburg was eye-opening to me, 70-45, and Amherst's struggles against St. Joseph's was kind of surprising. Really spoke a lot more about St. Joseph's. I think better than people really thought they were. Uh, that's going to be a fascinating game. Rochester, Rochester Tech, they know each other well. Yeah, we can make jokes about the game being played in Amherst instead of Rochester, but these two teams know each other well. They're both playing very well. Um, big wins to get here. Rochester over Marymount was uh, was pretty impressive. That's going to be a, a good game to watch. Hope Christopher Newport, two behemoths with contrasting styles, completely opposite, taking each other on. And then Christopher Newport also going to have to deal with the Holland crowd. That's going to be a great one to watch. Thomas Morgan, Davis, Adolphus, don't know each other. We just got done talking about it. That's going to be a great game to watch. Uh, Scranton Bowden in that historic pod we talked about. I thought Scranton would host this, but Bowden is a tough squad, uh, tough team. Scheibels and Woodruff going at each other. Uh, this is this is that's one to circle and certainly keep an eye on. And Messiah Tufts is going to be great. Uh, definitely going to be defensive minded, but Messiah likes to play more offensively than Tufts does. And I'm curious if Messiah is going to be able to find any kinks in the armor to be able to be successful that way. Wartburg versus Trine. Oh come on, this is a great game. Uh, Wartburg absolutely smoked George Fox, 82-58. For anybody out there who didn't think Wartburg was good, I think that win over George Fox says a lot. And then Trine. Trine is better than people give them credit. I know they were 1-3 versus regionally ranked opponents, but 
I hated the fact they had to play DePaul early, but they are proving that they are a good team that that should have been respected maybe a little bit more. I know, probably outside the criteria. But Warburg trying's a great name in that game. And then ETBU versus St. Thomas is a a complete out of the world game. Um Neither team knows each other well. St. Thomas getting by Chicago is an impressive victory. But East Texas Baptist, to come out of that Texas pod, says a lot. And I think that game is going to be fascinating, to say the least. Um, uh, Dave Feldman, no power, but he's learning about D3. Sir, buddy, thank you for tuning in. Appreciate your your uh, your willingness to learn about it some Division Three. We'll talk more about it down the road. On the men's side, Ramapo, Franklin, and Marshall. This is what I said while my mic was muted. Two peas uh, from two different pods. Uh, they don't tend to play each other all that often. This is a game that should have happened a long time ago, but I'm glad to see we're getting it this time. Um, this is going to be a, a talk about contrasting styles. This is it. Middlebury versus MIT. They haven't played each other since 06-07. This is going to be an outstanding game. Uh, looking forward to seeing how that ma- matches up because um, both teams are so disciplined, so well coached. Oshkosh, Emery. And <laughs> Emery always gets sent to these games uh, in these locales and, and having to show up. And granted, they're used to it from UAA travel, but Oshkosh showed me a lot by getting past Wittenberg the way they did. And then Augustana, John Carroll, uh, two teams we've been talking about all season, uh, two very good teams. Um, very first year head coach at John Carroll, longtime head coach at Augustana, really good matchup there as well. Uh, Whitman versus Stevens Point, talk about opposites, right? Uh, Whitman, uh, well, both of them are defensive minded, interestingly enough, but for different reasons. Whitman's kind of a uh, a crazy in your face, ninety four feet type of defense, like John Carroll, uh, where Stevens Point's that methodical, uh, almost strangle you type defense. Uh, they'll be efficient as some person said to me on offense but Whitman will be explosive on offense uh, fascinating X's and O's game that one I'm definitely going to try and watch as much as I can of Nebraska Wesley and Platteville the two unknowns basically Nebraska Wesley in their second full year is is a division three member um, playing very well but we couldn't get a good sense of it with their out of conference schedule and Platteville remember dead last in the WIAC last year this is a team that has come is, is come out of nowhere to some degree, led the WIAC in, in playing darn good basketball. Um, Swarthmore-Plattsburgh, this might be the game that's got more questions than answers because Swarthmore ended up being much stronger in the tournament than I expected. Maybe the light finally went on for the Garnet. Uh, Plattsburgh State, though, is, is on the longest winning streak in men's basketball uh, this season. They have an absolutely explosive offense, but they're also pretty disciplined on defense. And on the other side of that, got Hamilton and Springfield. Very uh, similar teams. Springfield plays a lot of NESCAC teams. Hamilton's obviously a NESCAC squad who plays a lot of teams like Springfield. Um, Hamilton much bigger than I thought they were when I saw them at York. Springfield under Coach Brock, they've got a couple great weapons. That's a an anybody's game. There's There are some outstanding games to be played this weekend on Friday. And it's going to be fun, absolutely fun to watch. Uh, I can't wait for it, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, Again, I'm not going to make picks. Uh, Thursday we can talk a little bit more in depth of these games, but I'm not going to make picks. I call games uh, for the NCAA when we get to Salem. I don't want some of those out there who feel like, oh, because his pick was right or wrong, he's going to have an opinion on the game. That's not how I operate. I pick for fun. I didn't, but I'm tired of any of you getting the the ammunition for a, a dumb argument, and so I just don't make picks anymore. As a result of that, haven't done it in a little bit of time. Um, sorry, Todd Peddler, we figured it out. Sorry about it, guys. I apparently hit a button uh, as we were going away from the last interview. All right, so now let's back up. Uh, I had two thoughts on Yeshiva. Um, 
uh, on the game itself and, and some other things. Let me first start by saying the Yeshiva game had plenty of social media ire leading up to it. Talk of one of their players, um, Bar Luf, having played quote-unquote professionally in Israel before coming to Yeshiva. He's a sophomore. Let's start. Let's point that out. Uh, as a, an abundance of caution is the best way I can describe it from those who I talk to both at the school or from representing the school and representing the conference. Uh, Yeshiva decided not to play aloof in the game against York. I think it did make a difference. Uh, Yeshiva played pretty well against York. Uh, I think they took York out of their game and York got a little discombobulated after going on a, on a significant run to lead 20 to eight. Um, I, I think from there it was a little bit kind of haphazard, and and York really was York was ripe for the taking if Yeshiva had been able to put a few things together. The Yeshiva's young. There's no denying that they're young, but this is going to be a heck of a growing period, and I think we'll be talking about the Max for quite some time. That said, they they did park aloof. Here's my problem with all of this. From what I've been told, his clearance on playing in the NCA has been checked, double-checked, and even triple-checked. And the NCA apparently has said it's okay. To some degree, if you think there's something wrong, and the NCA has has waived it or, or proved of it twice, enough's enough. Um, I don't know enough about pro- professional sports overseas to determine by seeing a guy's name on a roster what that means. Um, we have high school. We have clubs. Uh, we can talk about, especially in baseball, um, all of the different things that you play in, whether it be Little League, uh, whether it's Cal Ripken, whether it's Babe Ruth, uh, Legion, and all of those things that people take part in that are that are outside of school, extra play, you're not paid for. Your expenses are taken care of. Uh, your hotel would be taken care of, your meals, your transportation, etc. Um, I... To make a fury of this as they're heading into the NCAA tournament when he's a sophomore bothers me. I don't know where the truth is. I've read through the bylaws more than I want to, especially this year. In the last couple of years, I've read through the bylaws more than I want to. And I mean that because I'm tired of some of these scenarios. He, if he was on a professional team, and honestly, it could have been a summer rec league for all I could care, and his expenses were cared taken care of and he wasn't paid and there was no salary there isn't an issue here that's how i understand the bylaws that's how i've been under i understand them from those i've talked to about them if he was paid a salary then we've got a problem absolutely now if the ncaa cleared him and he lied and he and he was paid a salary then we've got a problem i'm not disagreeing with that but nothing i've gotten from information indicates that and him being parked everyone thinks is a red flag i don't i think yeshiva's made a decision they didn't need to make and, and and made a decision based on hoping they don't lose them for the future. Um, I, I think Yeshiva felt they were back in the corner and had no choice. Listen, if there's a problem with his, his resume and the NCA cleared him twice as reportedly I've been told, and he wasn't, he shouldn't have been cleared. That's an NCAA problem or it's the player problem for telling us wrong information, but I don't, I get this feeling that's not all it is. I, I, I think this is, and, and what really drives me crazy is those who are in the profession, those who are in Division Three, who have, are the ones screaming bloody murder in public and then patting themselves on the back because, hey, look what I did. I finally got this stopped. I, that makes my blood boil. 
I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten emails, texts, phone calls, whatever, about something that's wrong, and it's taken place behind the scenes. I'm contacted behind the scenes, and I work a story from behind the scenes, and I don't bring it out in public unless I know it's accurate and it needs to be addressed, and it, and it is addressed. And in the meantime, by the way, I've also contacted those inst entities that it affects. To go out in public and drag the team and the player through the mud based on screenshots of rosters with no other information and then pat yourself on the back. And by the way, it's not just one person. There's multiple people doing this. Pat themselves on the back saying, ha-ha, look what I did. I made sure he didn't play. Is disgusting. Plain and simple. Especially for someone in the profession and in the division. If you have a problem, raise it elsewhere. If you have a problem, handle it professionally. If you feel you aren't getting the results you need, there are still other avenues to pursue, including contacting the likes of myself and my colleagues, but not in social media and in the public. Nothing comes of that well. The school looks bad, even if they're right. The player looks bad, even if they're right. The situation looks bad, even if it's wrong. You don't look good, even if you're right. Find another way to contact people. Find a, I got it. My first private con contact about this issue came on Friday morning from someone who claimed it was the biggest uh, or the well, most well-known secret in, in Metro New York. But it had been on social media for days, and I got kept getting tagged on social media. I at least applaud someone who emailed me, even though the email was half a joke, and I mean that seriously. Provide me proof. If you're going to provide me an allegation, you better provide me some proof. And screenshots of a roster are not proof because these leagues can compete and you're not paid. I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong. I don't know if he's if he's eligible or he's not. From what I've been told, and for two years, he's been approved by the NCAA. Why this is now an issue after his at the end of his sophomore season is a little bit questionable. It questions the motives. Yes, they're in the NCAA tournament. I get that. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't have been just as vocal at the beginning of his freshman year. If you don't like the answer, that's not my problem. And now to pat yourself on the back because Yeshiva parked him and lost a game probably because of it rubs me wrong. There are better ways to handle this. You can ask a lot of people. I am contacted about information. I keep it to myself. I work a story. I figure it out. I then tell that story when it is right, and I tell that story when I've gotten all my I's and T's taken care of. I do not take it out into public, and neither should you if you're in this division, and neither should you if you're in this profession. Drives me insane. And patting yourself on the back. Look, I finally did it. Someone finally listened. They listened because... These individuals made it so, so bad on social media, they had no choice but to park them, basically. And that's disappointing. Now, if we find out at the end that Yeshiva was, he was in the wrong, and either the school screwed up or he screwed up or whatever, 
I'm just going to be as disappointed in Yeshiva as I am in those individuals now. I'm not going to congratulate those individuals. I will say that now because there's better ways to do this. You're tagging me on social media. You're tagging my colleagues on social media during this week leading up the NCAA tournament telling us about problems. You never emailed me. You never called me in two years. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's bad behavior. We are D3. We have ways to figure these things out and handle them correctly. Let's do that correctly. I am more than happy to take an email and search it out. I am more than happy to take a phone call and search it out. If I find validity to it, I will continue to search it out. I will bring my colleagues into the mix. We will find we will find a solution to it. But to drag a school and a player through the mud to get your goal accomplished of parking him for an NCAA tournament game, whether you're right or you're wrong, it's just ugly. And I don't think it was well handled. I think you forced Yeshiva into a position they can't win. And even if you end up being wrong, if the NCAA comes out with a statement that says he is fine, you're still not going to be happy. I think it was horribly handled. On the flip side of it, I think Yeshiva's game also provided us an opportunity to re-examine how we do opening weekend, maybe the entire tournament games. I know we've talked about it, I think, on air. I know our group has talked about it off air, and I know we've talked about it with others. We have in the, in the handbook that games are to start at a certain time, uh, 5.30, 7.30. Women have a little bit of flexibility. Men, that's pretty much the lock standard. I got an idea. Let's start staggering these times. When we set those rules up, we didn't have web streaming. Games weren't on television. I get it all. But there might be an argument here to start staggering times. If I have this number right, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm correct. Yeshiva had 13,000 people watching that game online, and it was on DirecTV. I got a chance, this is selfish, I got a chance to drive to York, Pennsylvania, see a game and a half, hightail it down to Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, and see another two games. It was awesome. That's how we should celebrate this. Let's get a chance to drag these games out. Maybe we can't go all day. That's maybe a little bit extreme. But staggering the game time so we can see the finishes to more games instead of them all taking place at the same time. So more fans can tune into a game and then tune into another game and enjoy the day of basketball. That's not a bad idea, right? I think that would be fun. So let's start staggering games. Maybe on the East Coast, we play a couple of three and five o'clock games instead. And then you also still on the East Coast have a 530 and a 730. And then in the Great Lakes in the middle in the Midwest, we start stacking. I got home and I got to go watch the, I tried to watch the games out of Whitman. Had some technical difficulties that I'm pretty sure went on my end, but it's not Whitman's fault either. Um I got to watch more games. It, wouldn't that be fun for D3 fans to see games a little bit more stretched out? Oh, you know, like they do at D1? I know D1's television, but the games start at 12 and go till past midnight. We have web streaming now. We have these capabilities of seeing games across the country, around the world. Let's start staggering game times so we can enjoy them. And I'm not just talking basketball. It'd be fun to do in football instead of just noontime games. If, if, if teams have lights, let's start staggering. 
Let's do a 12 t- a, a kick, a 12:30 kick, a 1, a 1:30, a 2. In soccer, stagger the games. In lacrosse, stagger the games. Across the board, let's start having some fun so we can celebrate Division Three. We're if you're worried about how that might affect the next day, the Saturday games can be on the same schedule. So the three and five o'clocks get together at four and the, and the, and the uh, four and six plays at five and you stagger the Saturday games too. It'd be fun. It'd be more enjoyable to the fans to see games because you not only get to see what you're seeing in your gym, but you can also go home and see some more games. Or those who can't make any of them, they can flip around and see all kinds of games as they're wrapping up. Or if we ever go back and do a whip-around show, we'd have staggered game finishes as well. It'd be a lot more fun. Just a thought. I think the Yeshiva game kind of proved that when you have that many people tuning in, right? Just a thought. I think we can do better. I think I think we can do better. Uh, Double-checking to see if we got any tweets. Great interview with Lori Kelly, and so glad you're able to get a hold of her. Hope the Gusties can do the unthinkable on Friday night. Well, they just might. They certainly are a good team. I'll say that much. Uh, one last note before we go. I forgot to mention this last week. I apologize to our friends in upstate New York. We've got another jersey. And I know John Carroll's jersey hasn't been hung. We're working on it. But thank you to Nazareth. Nazareth sent a jersey, and and you might notice we got a couple common numbers, some random ones. We have a couple 23s in the building. John Carroll sent a 23 uh, center, which is hiding now over my shoulder. We're going to figure out as much. 23 is my number, in case anybody's curious. But uh, Nazareth sent 11, and if you're wondering, here's the note we got from Nazareth from uh, from their head coach. said, thanks for all you do for D3 Hoops any time. Here is uh, Naz jersey, actually Jeff Van Gundy's number when he was here. Yeah, Jeff Van Gundy wore number 11. Nazareth number 11 jersey will be up in the studio sometime in the near future, we hope, along with the John Carroll jersey we got as well. If you have anything, memorabilia, Wheaton noticed the basket that sits over our shoulder during the uh, selection show was still there. Uh, We've got some basketballs you see from tournaments that we're going to be hanging sometime soon. Greenville jersey, Ramapo jersey, um, Ohio Wesley, and that's actually signed by uh, Lauren Hill. Um, we've got the, uh, that's the, uh, Brockport Jersey. We got over our shoulder as well. New Jersey city Jersey, uh, and lots of other memorabilia. See, I know we got to get the Hoopsville sign moved up. We will do that. We've got some memorabilia uh, over here, actually from some final fours. Uh, we're going to, we're going to do some more to dress up the studio and get some more things hung that need to be hung. Um, if you want anything, contact me. Uh, if you want to send us anything, we will take whatever contributions you want. And those who contacted me about donations of the financial kind, Please uh, bear with me. I will be in touch with you if there's any others out there. We did not run a formal fundraiser for a lot of reasons this year, but people have still been interested. I thank you. We will uh, certainly love to take you up on your offers. And with that, I think we're going to wrap up the show much later than we thought, but that's sometimes how this goes. Appreciate everybody tuning in and appreciate us. You also rolling with us with some of our guests as I flipped a couple guest orders, but at the same time had some troubles with Chuck McBreen from Ramapo, Larry Anderson from MIT, Jason Zimmerman from Emory, Bill Broderick from Christopher Newport, Carla Berube from Tufts and Laura Kelly from Gustavus Adolphus. Of course, also all thanks to their sports information directors and their offices for their help as well. We'll be on the air Thursday, seven o'clock Eastern time. Um, not sure who we'll have for guests. We're working on that list in the next 24 to 36 hours. Get our requests out as well. And we'll also find out. Stick with me on Twitter. You'll find out where I'm headed for the NCAA tournament. Hope you enjoy the show despite some technical difficulties behind the scenes, including me apparently muting my mic a number of times. You didn't really want to listen to me, did you? 
Uh, hope you enjoyed it. If you got, uh, I'm trying to double check. The, I sent a, a, a question to one of the guys about something. I just want to check. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to leave that alone. J uh, Jay put brought something up uh, going on in um, at York. I'm not Jay. You can talk to me in private about that. I don't think your whole story is the whole truth. Let's put it that way. Uh, Todd Pedler says, wouldn't it be great if something like D1, Division 1? I agree, Todd. I think it would be awesome. Daryl Duncan, great thought. Staggered games, especially for us West Coast D3 fans. That'd be fun for you guys, too. Yeah, you could you could enjoy a bunch of games before heading out to the West Coast to see your games. I think it'd be outstanding. Hey, Damian Pitts joined the show. John, Car John Bell and Sam Atkinson. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Appreciate it, though you're catching the end. Don't worry. The, uh, you can watch the show on demand. Damian, no pressure. I can't wait to be talking to you on this show sometime in the near future with what you're doing at Centenary or where you, uh, or anywhere else in the future as well. All right, so that's going to do it. I, I was going to give a Springfield sound, but it was uh, from earlier. You can easily see that uh, another time. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, you, you can see it online. Uh, I was going to bring it to you, but we ran out of time. Again, coming up um, Thursday, um, we'll be on the show 7 o'clock Eastern time. Then again, reminder next Sunday. And then don't forget, on the road in Salem. We will not do the show on Thursday night like we have done sometimes in the past. Last few years have gotten away from that because we are courtside, folks. Courtside in Salem, we do so much previewing of games in Salem on that Friday and Saturday that doing the Thursday show is just, well, redundant. Uh, also, too much other stuff going on. But thanks for tuning in, everybody. Really hope you enjoyed it. Great weekend to start, and I think we're going to have a thrilling weekend next week when, with games. All 16 games on both sides, men's and women's, are going to be must-watch on Friday night, and I hope you'll enjoy them. With that, thanks to everybody who tuned in. Thank you for uh, the guests who appeared on the show as well. Look forward to seeing you back here on Thursday. You've been watching Hoops Hoop, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thanks to our partners, D3Hoops.com, Women's Basketball Coaches Association, the ba National Association of Basketball Coaches, and, of course, our friends at the City of Salem. I want to thank them for the polo they sent me, celebrating 25 years of championships in Salem. Wonderful polo to wear. I'm going to enjoy wearing it in the future as well. That's going to do it. If you'd like to do anything with this show, make sure you contact us with permission. It's just nice to do professionally. We hope you uh, will take the time. In the meantime, we'll be back here Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you want to listen to the podcast, go to Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, or, of course, SoundCloud. Good night, everybody.